Live from Sacramento. Live from Sacramento. It's Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports. We are live. Happy, happy Wednesday. Deuce Mason, Morgan, Reagan, alongside our buddy Chris Watkins is back at the Sacktown Sports Studios hanging out. Had to hang back today because I've got Stockton Kings today, and it's prep time. It is insane right now. <laughs> so we're at the Deuce and Mo Studios right now. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us on this Wednesday. Hi, Chris Watkins. How are you? What up, y'all? Great. How are y'all doing? We're good, man. Morgan, I mean, last face? night. Uh, you know, uh, thank how's you. How's it look, Chris? Asking. Let's be honest about okay, it. Let's... So, one, you should honestly be nice about this, like nicer about this. Oh, golly. Yeah, I am just joking around, Chris. Just Juice, to this can happen to anybody. No, you and it. Well, one, it can. I've been talking to more and more people that have like eczema on their face, and I'm thinking it's like just uh, caused from flaring up from stress sure. is what yeah. it usually happens. So I just don't usually have it on my face, and so I have a whole bunch of like steroid cream on my face. And thanks everyone for um letting me be in a comfortable space to just truly be myself. I match my red crew neck that I have on. So um yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad everyone's here to support Morgan. Do yes. not make any jokes about it. You can make jokes about it, but like you, that was you're just like. You're crushing quick. Yep. Choke. Choke and die. Choke and die. <laughs> Instant karma. <laughs> oh, man. We got a lot to go over today. Uh, some would say it's Christmas today. Yes, it is. Woo! We have Chris Watkins this hour. Then coming up later, we've got Chris Miles from NBA TV and Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee, who's doing a great job covering the Kings. So there's a lot to go over today. And, you know, it's an interesting day because the Kings all of a sudden have lost back-to-back games and we are riding the ultimate highs, especially post-All-Star break. Consecutive losses, that wasn't a thing. Last night, the Celtics absolutely crushed the Sacramento Kings, especially in that second half, winning 132-109. to Chris, I heard you talking about it, and I know it was a conversation with the media before the game and all that. I, it's, one of the, it's a schedule loss. Yeah. It's a schedule loss. I'm, it's not an excuse. I love when people go, oh, you're making excuses. Look, even huh. if the Kings were healthy, even if they had... Um, normal rest, the Celtics are going to be a tough team. But it was almost a perfect combination. The Celtics coming off a loss, Al Horford talking to the oh team after that loss, trying to get them refocused. And, oh, by the way, the Kings playing a back-to-back, fifth game in seven nights. Celtics were awesome. I'm going to start. Celtics yeah. had to play their best basketball, Chris, to win that game. And I think that's been the coolest thing about the last two times that the Kings have played really good teams in this league, the Bucks, the Celtics, mm-hmm. both those teams had to play way up right. for the Sacramento Kings. And usually they're used to coming in, just rolling over. But it's been those – It's I feel like for both teams, it's been a game where they're like, okay, you know, for example, the Bucks, Giannis was out the night before but then was playing back um, against right. the Kings. And then for the Celtics, it was like Rob Williams' first game back. Okay, what can we do? Al Horford rallies everyone together. It it's great that the Kings are becoming more and more respected, but like yeah. Mike Brown said, they're becoming more and more hunted too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, yeah, Boston, Boston came out full force yesterday. They, they were ready to go from the jump. And uh, to be fair, the Kings were as well. I, they've, they've had a lot of slow starts and that's something I mentioned on my show is just like, it, it, it felt like it was really competitive. It was, I don't know if it was a playoff like intensity, but there was definitely two teams that respected the hell out of each other. 
And, uh, you know, they, they were going at it. They were going tick for tack. And I think, uh, you know, Demonis Sabonis was clearly uh, a matchup nightmare for, for uh, Boston, the same way that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were matchup nightmares for the Kings. Um, but the thing, yeah, I noticed last night was definitely just it felt like Boston had a little bit more juice, wanted that game, as cliche as it is, they just wanted that game a little bit more. There was a specific play that really sticks out to me where – it was a loose ball. Mm. De'Aaron and TD are both going for it. Grant Williams is also going for it. And it looks like De'Aaron and TD both individually have a better trace on the ball, but Grant Williams dives on the floor and gets it, and neither of those two guys dive. I mean, it's it's little plays like that where it's just mm-hmm. that's – I don't know. I just can't get that play out of my head where it's like that's a real difference between these two guys – these two teams right now just in terms of this game but um yeah it definitely felt like the kings are definitely to your point morgan getting really good teams respect around here and that's the thing that i love right now about these this king's team playing these teams late in the season they saw them in the early stages of the season okay what what what's that what do those games look like now this team is clearly better Mm -hmm. how are they going to match up what kind of things are teams going to do against him it was clear last night the Celtics were like, we're going to put a wing. We're going to put Tatum on Sabonis. We're going to put yeah. Derek White on Sabonis. And they wanted to force Sabonis out. Sabonis still got his stuff inside. But then they're switching everything. And you could tell it really rattled the Kings. The off-ball movement wasn't good enough. The passing, the decision-making wasn't great because the Celtics are so good at switching. And there's not many teams around the league who could play defense like the Celtics. No, in in the way that they were locked in last night was like we were saying, on a different level and when Robert Williams is on the floor, it's their their defense just goes up up and up yeah. and you saw it happen last night not only with him being there, his presence being there, but the adjustments that they made quickly after trying to put Al Horford on Kessler Edwards and then Jason Tatum on Sabonis, they're like, "No, no, no, let's go back to what we know and what they know well is switching and mm. their switching slowed the Kings yeah. offense down. It screwed with their movement. It ruined the flow. And I was telling Deuce this last night. I'm like, if you're any other team in the NBA and you're like, Oh, we're going to take on the Kings in the playoffs. There's your playbook. Right. There's the film you need to watch execute that. And it's not easy yeah. to execute. Right. And that's why I'm not acting like anybody can yes. do it against right. this Kings offense. But yeah, it's something that I would look at doing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Boston, to your point, is, is is very kind of uniquely positioned with just the amount of length that they have on their team to really go to that big lineup. And they have really good, smart defenders and uh, a big part. I, that's something I really noticed last night was, yeah, when they were switching, it's just it's just second nature to them. Like they don't have to think there's not really much communication that goes on. It's just they just really know their defense. They know their principles. And that's, I mean, that's what makes them so dangerous. And that's that's like that extra level that's kind of just above the Kings right now is that they're, they they just know how to play with each other. And they really uh, just, you know, especially defensively, they, they can play defense without even communicating just because they, they know their system so well. Uh, it, it's it's really hard to beat them. And then, yeah, you throw on the length and, and just their defensive versatility. It was, it was a nightmare. It was a really, it was really tough for the Kings and you can see them trying to figure it out. Uh, kind of was reminded of like LeBron when, uh, it, it, when he was on the heat and they put JJ Barea on him and he just was like, this seems easy. I feel like I should know what to do, but it just 
once you it start you thinking, whack. it's just yeah. Once you once you're stopped you playing whack. naturally and just flowing, and you have to really think about the game, especially with the the, ty- the kind of offense the Kings run, I think it just kind of threw them off. Oh, it totally threw them off. And something you said, Chris, is so accurate. Like the, the, these teams, we're talking like Milwaukee and Boston. Yes. You can even put Golden State right. up there too. They know everything about each other's mm-hmm. games. Horford, Brown, Tatum, Smart. These guys have been playing together for years. years. I know Horford left and came back, but Horford's a high IQ guy. Smart defensive player. Marcus Smart, a really good defensive player. Jalen Brown, a really good defensive tater, uh, player. Tatum has shown strides. He's long. They, they are so smart mm-hmm. defensively. They know exactly where they need to be. They understand all the concepts. Oh, and then you add like a high IQ guy to the mix like Malcolm Brogdon who yeah. just knows how to play the game too. This team is super engaged. Oh, by the way, Robert Williams coming back last night. They've got length. The Kings are just learning each other. They don't have mm-hmm. the, the same defensive personnel. Boston didn't just do this in one year is my point. Nope. It's going to take the Kings time to kind of build this type of chemistry that teams like Boston and Milwaukee have. And that's it, Deuce. I mean, in Chris, I say, I said this to start this season. I was like, all right, King Sands, we got to be patient. And everyone hates the word patience because yeah. obviously we've been patient long enough. But I think about when I was saying that at the beginning of the season, I was like, be patient. But like, if we're seeing good co- competitive basketball out there, competent basketball out there by the Sacramento Kings, like they're just going to build and develop all- off of it. So be patient. Well, their competence and the competitiveness and everything, they took five steps further than I could ever imagine mm-hmm. a team to do in in their first year with a new head coach and a brand new team. So they're already ahead of schedule. Now you're seeing how they compete against these really good teams. You're exactly right, Deuce. It's going to just, like, time and experience yeah. are going to be their best friends. Oh, and... They're young, so mm-hmm. they all have the time right. uh, to really gain that type of experience. Yeah, something. Yeah, no, go, go ahead, Chris. Oh. No, 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 you go ahead. No, yeah, you go ahead. Right. We're working on this. Tomorrow's going to be clean. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> oh, we'll be in the same room. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I honestly lost my train of thought, but um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, something I was going to mention. So Al Horford, there's a piece in the Athletic today talking about the Celtics and that win last night. And the way they were describing it is almost the most locked in they've been in a game recently, Wow! like for sure recently. And they're talking about offensively mm-hmm. and defensively. And I guess Horford had a conversation with the team. It wasn't like he ripped it or anything, just kind of like, Hey, it's time to wake up. Yeah. According to the athletic Horford preached to Celtics. That's time to ramp things up before the playoffs. And they can no longer afford the little mistakes. Williams, Robert Williams said Horford addressed teammates about the need to be able to talk to each other, accept criticism and not let problems linger. Uh, Horford said after the game, we just had to be ourselves. We stepped up to the challenge. We understood that Sacramento is a really good team and we needed to bring that type of game to win tonight. That's what you need to take away. This Boston Celtics team's like, Hey, we can't go through the motions against Sacramento. Milwaukee's yeah. saying the same thing. We can't go through the motions. It may be five games and seven nights for them. It may be the second I have a back-to-back, but we have to play our A game tonight. And you give Boston credit. They did. The Kings looked out of gas in the second half. They were they were completely out of sync with the switching. And I'll be honest, I think the Kevin Herter absence is, is definitely hurting this team. Don't even start that yet because there's so much meat there that I want to get to, and I know we're going to have but to you break. But you don't like, like eating meat. Okay. No. You, like, you like eating basketball meat? You want to? Yeah. If I could, honestly, if yeah, I could, yeah. if I had a basketball diet, 
basketball soup, Do you like, huh? beam cream. <laughs> I was doing the plane like I'm feeding you yeah, basketball. Yeah, no, and meat. I was creeped out by it, so I was ignoring it. <laughs> All right, we're going to break on the radio side for 60 seconds. We'll be back. We're always live on the YouTube channel page, YouTube channel, the YouTube page, youtube.com slash Sacktown Sports 1140. Let's do some more with Chris Watkins, baby, on Sacktown Sports. Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo. Sacktown Sports. Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports. Eleven forty, hanging out with Chris Watkins. I love anytime we talk about a game in twenty twenty three. If you even uh, reference an angle, like I was like, "Hey, fifth game in seven nights. That's got to be tough." That's making an excuse. No excuses. Everybody go go through that. No. It's a factor in the game, and it's okay to acknowledge it. It's okay to acknowledge that, hey, the Kings offense is as good with oh, Kevin Herter. That changes things. No, 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 no. You're making excuses. You got to you gotta go ahead and you fight guys, through it. You would factor that in even in a win. You'd be like, how impressive. They won after playing five games yeah. in seven nights. Like you're, you, It's part of the story yeah. either way. And it's I, okay. And to be fair, Andrew wasn't being oh. an ass about it. You're I'm good, just Andrew. bringing him up because we're getting comp- Morgan like, posted something about oh Kevin Herter. It's like, oh, you're, you're saying they won with uh, Kevin Herter? It's like, no. All we're, all we're saying is that like Kevin Herter being there would have – help some things uh yama in the chest is classic juice mocking the viewers yeah, we mock everybody i mock i might mock, i mock myself i'm an idiot yeah he mocks me yeah. are you kidding me yeah but li- <laughs> yeah literally it, it, it's just it's it's a it's a grind this nba season's a grind and i just personally hate from an nba perspective that they have five games and seven nights in general it's weird that the kings played in all those time zones across the country and then all of a sudden they have a back-to-back after a four-game road trip. I, I just don't get it. It does. It doesn't make much sense. Scheduled or scheduled loss? Is that what you guys call it? Yeah. yeah no. It's very so, unfair. Very, very unfair. So um, weird schedule, but uh, at the same time, now they get their rest uh, before the Phoenix Suns. I know we'll get to that in a little bit. But Deuce, you brought up before we went to the break about Kevin Herter. We talked about that a little bit last night, Kevin Herter being a factor, being why is he a factor? Now, so many people attacked me today with saying, it's it's not live or die by the three-point land. And I'm like, hey, guys, there's so much more he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know his defense isn't the most amazing thing in the world, but still as a high IQ player, the way, what he can do in a team defense is still good enough. Now on right. the offensive end is really what I want to get to, Chris, because his movement without the basketball, his efficiency when it comes to obviously his two-point percentage and everything. And Will Z stats just put this up a couple hours ago, um, kind of backing up what we were saying about Kevin Herter. He said Kevin Herter being out is sneaky huge for the Kings inside game. Herter's two-point field goal percentage by area, restricted area, yeah. 73.9%. Non-restricted area, paint, 56.8%. Mid-range, 42.1%. So you're looking at Kevin Herter and what he's capable of creating even on the inside is so much more than just his threes, Chris. Yeah, no, absolutely. And when you brought up Kevin Herter, I honestly wasn't even thinking about him actually scoring the ball. It's just like the the gravity that he has. That's really something that, you know, the Warriors utilize with Steph and Clay a lot is just it's not even necessarily when he is scoring. It's just him constantly running around. You always have to keep it, you know, yeah. have – uh, have somebody on him always 
you know, mindful of what he's doing, whether it's, you know, curling around Sabonis for a three and they're trying to get their dribble handoff game or, you know, like you just mentioned, his two-point game as well. Like sometimes he'll set up, oh, yeah, I'm going to run around Domas, run around the corner and get a DHO. Instead, he'll kind of hit a little pump and uh, and drive the lane instead. Like he, he's just what he's able to do off the ball is, is so big for this team. And, yeah, yeah, he has his deficiencies defensively, but uh, yeah. he, he absolutely does add another layer, another element to this offense for sure. Uh, something we should talk about is the switching. We mentioned the first segment. Uh-huh. Uh, the switching was definitely a factor. Here's Demonis Sabonis talking about the issues that Boston presented. They came out and threw something at us that we've only we've we, we've only seen against them. They put smaller guys on me, switched everything. You know, um, took us out of our pick and roll game. Um, you know, so um, it made us think. You know, and um, we ju- we just got to be prepared next time, but better for that. No, a big story of the game was was turnovers. What, could you point to any one thing in particular that, that led to all those turnovers? You know, they were uh, switching all game, so it kind of turned into more of an ISO ball, you know, going one-on-one, you know, and um, we didn't do a great job on the weak side moving or trying to keep the weak side um, engaged. And then um, there's one guy defending two two people at once, you know, so um, we kind of did, didn't help ourselves, you know, in the first half. We still had our legs kind of, you know, so... We're, we're making shots, but in, 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 in the second half, it, de- it definitely hurt us more. Yeah, and I think to his point, kind of that movement at times, you've got a rookie in Keegan Murray out there that, you know, it can be inconsistent at times mm-hmm. with how he plays. And then you've got a second-year guy in Kessler Edwards who, although I think has shown some nice signs, that he's a nice, been a good pickup for the Kings, he's still kind of learning things. I mean, he's been thrust into this starting role with Herter out. Before that, he was kind of barely playing off the bench, and before that, he wasn't even playing. So when you have two kind of inexperienced guys in your starting lineup, you're taking on an elite team like the Boston Celtics that will throw different things at you, you could see why it would mess up the Kings. Yeah, I, I think that's that's um, the youth factor in that starting lineup right now is something to absolutely look at. I And it's something that a really good team with experience you guys would be able to handle and just do really well against even one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. But the Kings just aren't there yet. And I think sometimes our expectations for them now, especially since the All-Star break after winning so many games, it's like if they don't win this game, <laughs> we have to yeah. we have to like criticize everything and say what they don't have, what they need to change in the offseason, what they're not going to do in the postseason. I think some of these, Matt, like this game last night, it was a – wake-up call, a little humbling for what's going to happen in the postseason, what teams are going to throw at them, and whether they're going to be ready or not doesn't matter if they get if they get screwed over like the first game as long as they make in-series adjustments. Yeah, and I think they will. You know, Number one, no back-to-backs to the playoffs, guys. Right. That's the good news. The other good news, Mike Brown's really good at making adjustments. You know, we talked about that the other day just with, like, his experience his coaching staff's experience in the playoffs, I, I imagine that they'll they'll adjust okay. You know, something Chris was mentioning on Chris and Co. That's right before us. Yes. From 10 to 11 on Saxon Sports. Thank you. Chris was mentioning the idea of maybe resting, limiting some minutes. I don't know if that's like wait until they clinch. They could clinch this week, and the magic number's still at four. That number could go down tonight. Um I think there is something to that. Like, if you figure out you got the three seed, I, I I hope that they're careful with this, where I still, you know, guys like Fox and Sabonis want to play. I would just, can we get their minutes to like 30 instead? 
down the stretch once they clinch. What do you what do you what was your perspective, Chris? Yeah, I it's more just the fact that they kind of find them they they could find themselves here if they do clinch especially. I think that would definitely be the time to really consider it, but where they kind of are too many games behind to to catch the Grizzlies and they're not really at risk of of Phoenix jumping over them and so they kind of just are are set in that number 3 spot and you know with that yeah it sucks that you can't move up but you also yeah you, you it presents you with the opportunity of potentially you know just a, a game or two there's only 10 left if you can just or even like you mentioned just just lower their minutes i think i just think it would be beneficial and i i i talked about how mike has mike brown has been really adamant that that he believes that the reason why they've been so healthy and a big reason why they've played so well this season is because of how hard they work and how much they practice. But I also think, you know, especially now these guys are, are about to head into the postseason and they've been busting their tail all year. I just feel like, you know, a, a game or two more of rest would, wouldn't hurt anybody. Yeah. I, and I wonder if they were kind of doing that last night intentionally with Fox. He only played five minutes in the first quarter he played 12 minutes in the first half of that game. I don't know if that had to do with the combination of sure. back-to-back and Davion had it rolling a bit, but th- it was good that in the first half they didn't have to lean on Fox for heavy minutes. Fox only played 28 minutes last night. Yeah, no, it's it's a good sign, and I, I'm, I'm with you. i hoping we see that and hoping we see the human beam um, less and or just when they're up by a lot. So um, ever since we started talking about the human beam, we've seen no. more and more, Chris. <laughs> no, I might have cursed that. Uh, real fast, uh, in the chat, Mojo916 said, Boston kept their starting lineup long after the game was secured. What do you feel about that? If I felt like I kind of was sensing the same thing. It was like right around that, I don't know, two and a half minute mark where they finally pulled their starters. Yeah. I mean, hey, they maybe they were just like feeling good finally. And so they wanted to keep like going about it. But um, either way, that's what they ended up doing. All right. We got more coming up. I did hear from a source as close to the situation that we have tickets to go see three doors down Chris to give away. Has the read. Yeah. If you're caller 10, I think you oh. can get hooked up. Right, Chris? That is completely true. How about you make Live it Nation? official there, Chris? Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me uh, let me get this read off Live Nation. Oh. We've partnered with Live Nation uh, for your chance to check out three doors down at the Hard Rock, Hard Rock Live in uh, in Wheatland. Uh, that will be on 713 uh, yeah, caller, what'd you say? Caller number 10, Deuce? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Caller number 10. And you get, get hooked up. Go Three see, doors go down. Go see that band, yeah. Kryptonite. Uh, they got another it. song, too. They've got another nope, song. No, that's um, it. They, they actually, three hours, they just play Kryptonite, different versions of Kryptonite. <laughs> Here without you. Uh, we're going to go Hello? acoustic now. All yeah. right. <laughs> oh. Techno. Let's uh, bring in um, a, a fan from out there, yeah. our fan out there. Let's come up on stage. You'll be there holding the hand. Ugh. All right, coming up next. Well, the bounce around the NBA. Yeah, the, uh... so I just cut right there at the read, please. She was going uh, at her, her singing, uh, my obviously. singing was yeah, awful. Obviously. Oh. All right, also coming up next, we'll bounce around the NBA, too. Uh, an update on Zion. Jaw is back and more. It's Deuce and Mo and Sacktown Sports 1140. Local. 
It's Deuce and Mo. Watch the show now on YouTube.com slash Sacktown Sports 1140. Or listen for free on the Sacktown Sports app. You should definitely check out the YouTube page because during the break we stay live and you never know what's going to come up. <laughs> Somehow Chris was doing his impersonations of what, like early, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Emo? emo what would that yeah, be yeah it's like a like fallout it's just punk. angsty it's yeah uh, alternative i think was, punk. was the, yeah it's no no it's not oh. punk definitely not punk what's punk then not that really punk is like the ramones uh give us no chris sing us a little punk so i know what it is which chris you chris for <laughs> not me punk is <laughs> man you're putting me on the spot no uh-huh. it's it's one of those things of when you know when you know it you know it you, you know, it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It makes so much oh sense. Uh, we do have some updates in the NBA. John Morant is coming back tonight against the Rockets. As Chris mentioned in his update, Car Anthony Towns is back after missing 51 games. And then just Ward coming from New Orleans. Zion Williamson has been cleared to return to the basketball court, uh, but he will be reevaluated in two weeks, meaning he's going to be reevaluated like two or three games left. Okay. Wasn't he... Isn't that the same verbiage that they used when he was coming back the first time around? Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. Following a reevaluation on his right hamstring, Zion Williams has been cleared to return to on-court activities. He will be re-evaluated in two weeks. God. That's, it's sad. I, I don't know how you feel, Chris. I, I It's like, for me, I just want to see that man on the floor, yes. but we're not getting it. Yeah, no, that's exactly how I feel. I mean, I, I think when he plays, and I don't think a lot of people have been able to watch a lot of Zion games it's he's he's already like one of the best 10 players in the league and we're just we're just missing a lot of exciting moments in his career I mean and and as these injuries stack up it's kind of like you you don't really know if New Orleans is just being extra careful with him because you know he's he's got the body that he does and you know you don't want to you don't want to you know risk further injury because he's he's just not built like normal guys um, or if it's just if his injuries really are different, I don't I don't know. But all I yeah, I completely agree. I just want to see him on the floor because when he plays, he can really be like a a, a very unique play. Like I don't, there's nobody else like him in the league right now. No, no. I Maybe mean, ever. it's so <laughs> it it's like it's so explosive, but he's so big. But then he can also shoot the outside yeah. shot. He can uh, pass it's, too. He's, he's yeah. Just really yeah. He's played 29 games the last two years. Right. Oh, 29 games yeah. this year. Yeah. Did not play the year before that. His second year, he made, he played 61 games. His first season, 24. I mean, I, I agree with everything you guys say. I think he's one of the most entertaining players to watch when he's out there because of how big he is, how explosive he is, what he's able to do. I just, you get to a point with him, you're just like, are, are you made to stay healthy? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like he is a Completely. huge player. He's a huge man. And then you think about all the wear and tear on his body That's from playing it. as a child. It's rough, man. Yeah. And it's his rough. style, you guys, yes. his style of play, because it is so explosive, but because he's such a big body. That's why it's so part of it. So unique, Chris, because we're like, who else is like that? Who else yeah. can do that? And I just don't think bodies were made to do that. No. <laughs> it's yeah it's 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 really not like it's not we're not we're not trying to body shame him or anything but he's just he's a really big guy it's a lot of weight and like for the amount of explosion that he has there's a reason why it looks so incredible when he does it you're just not used to seeing guys you know if david roddy had a 45 inch vertical it would be like what is going it just doesn't yeah. look right it looks fake 
Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you guys. And, yeah, it's it's just sad that he hasn't even really been able to develop because he just hasn't been able to stay on the floor for very long. But, uh, yeah, Zion is is one of my favorite players in the league for sure. And it sucks that New Orleans is – is they need him. Like, they could re- – they would – New Orleans, what, would be – they'd probably be in that upper – play-in area right now for sure if Zion were playing if not even higher I mean they were there was a point this season where they were the number one team in the Western Conference and it's been all downhill from there so you know they have the talent it's just it's it really sucks to not see Zion play and his deal kicks in next year 33.5 the year after that 36 38.8 and then 41.5 so what do you think like what would his trade value even look like because for if you're trying to acquire him like what kind of assurances would you have that he'll be that guy, especially for, for what I assume he would probably, you know, warrant in return? I, I just, dude, it's just such a, a weird situation. A half, dude. Such Chris, a gamble. It's like the same thing that happened. I'm not the same, but in some ways you think about Ben Simmons, the way sure. that his Anthony contract Davis was well. structured. Sure. Sure. But I, I, the reason why I go to Ben Simmons, it was, it was such a risk, you know? There was no sure. insurance on, oh, yeah. mentally is he going to get to a place where he finds his confidence? It wasn't even, no one I don't even think was truly thinking about what he could perform and do on the floor because everyone's like, we've seen it. Like, we've seen it. We know what he's capable of. He'll get back to that point as soon as he gets his mind right. Even with his mind not fully right, he's not the same player uh, even with his skill set on the floor yeah. anymore. And that, you just... You, Brooklyn took the risk. They didn't win that trade. That's for sure. Yeah, because I don't know what kind of player Zion is if he doesn't have his athlete, his ridiculous athleticism. Like, yeah, I mean, I mentioned earlier he he's has he's a really skilled player. I think more skilled than people realize. But you know, a big part of it is his athleticism. I don't know if if he just doesn't have that leap. If he doesn't have that threat of 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 getting to the paint as easily as he can. I I don't know what he is necessarily in this league. He's kind of a weird position too. I, I don't necessarily think you can play him at anything besides like four and, and maybe a small ball center. <sighs> By the way, Morgan Mention it. just got Mention uh, it. a message in the chat from Brad. Just got here. What's up with Mo's face today? Hey, thanks ass. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's called stress and it's flaring and it's eczema and it's a skin issue that I have right now. So I have steroid cream on my face while I'm glowing in this freaking lighting, Brad. God, how's your stupid face? And I like you, Brad, but God. <laughs> own it, honey. Yes, own it. I'm it's... trying. It's like I'm the same color as my sweatshirt. That made you even more red by being young. <laughs> I'm going to go put a mask and sunglasses on. I am. You look like uh, Jalen is... Brown last night. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. Get like a, get a nice mask like that. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. Society doesn't accept <laughs> skin issues. I know. <laughs> All right. We need to talk about John Morant, too. We just talked about Zion. Cat's coming back. It's Ducimo. It's Sacktown Sports 1140. Oh my god. Somehow we got on Creed and bad music from the late 90s, early 2000s that we all used to like, but now we go, oh, do we really like that? Dude, Creed, for a second, 
I don't. No. They were the hottest thing in the country. <laughs> no. They were. I think they were, Chris. For a mi- the they hottest thing in the country. <laughs> the, in- the, it was a quick peak, but they peaked super high. You you don't think so? Didn't they? I Time honestly out. kind of agree with that. But also, I mean... I just remember them always being on the radio. And during that time, music, radio, everything was just like, that's, you call back in to have them replay the song. I mean, that wasn't the song I would have them replay. They, they played, played a the Super time. Bowl halftime. Really? Oh, that's crazy. They were big. Damn. Like they weren't on their own, right? There was like, it was like one of those ones with like a bunch of bands. I don't totally remember, to be honest. <laughs> Let's see. Did Creed. they even do the Super Bowl? <laughs> Maybe I made all that up. I don't Super know. Bowl. Um. Anyway, uh, we do have an update on Paul George. We're talking about during the break. Paul George, he went down last night in a loss to OKC. It looked really bad. In fact, he was like on a car after the game. Well, after imaging, it's been revealed that he sprained his knee. So... It's not as bad maybe as some initially feared, so he's going to be reevaluated in two to three weeks. Could the Clippers all of a sudden be a play-in team? Right now, the Clippers are hanging on to the fifth spot. Golden State's right behind them one game back. This is tough. I I mean, obviously, way to state the obvious, Morgan. Um, But truly, you look at this team that had Kawhi Leonard out for so much of the season, once again, as we thought he was going to be healthy this season and play with this squad all the time. I thought this team was going to grow, build something really strong together. You started seeing flashes, but then you just saw some other teams in the Western Conference that were playing better as a complete squad. Now, you have one of your best players go down for a little bit as we head into the postseason, it's not looking good where they'll end up. And I think a lot of people still, still believe that the Clippers are one of the true contenders in the Western Conference. I don't. I'm out. Um, What's his name? He was just with J.J. Redick on his podcast. He said Clippers, Suns, Nuggets, but Nuggets at number one. Who's what's-his-face on J.J. Reddick's Are you talking about Tim Legler? Thank you. I thought, no, this clip I saw, he said it was Denver, and then he everyone did. else is suspect. He did, and then he got to the, the end of the clip, and he said... Suns, Clippers would be my other two. I'm not in on the Clippers. I think it's it's probably Nuggets and Suns. But dude, honestly, after watching last night and watching the top of the East, to me, it's Milwaukee or Boston's winning it all. Like, I, do you think any team in the West is going to be able to compete with those? I mean, maybe if you can try to talk yourself into Phoenix, Chris, where KD comes yeah. back and it just clicks in the playoffs. But I mean, that I think that's a tough ask. Yeah, I, I, it definitely feels like I, I would even throw maybe Philly in there. I feel like the top three teams in the East. Yeah, <laughs> you trust Philly? I don't you trust, trust. I Jim do not trust Jim Harden. <laughs> I, I definitely don't trust Jim Harden at all. Uh, but I think that they're a tough out. I think if they were in the in the West, I think that they would probably be the one seed. I think that they would probably be the toughest out as well. Um, yeah, I. I I definitely agree with you. I think Phoenix is maybe the only other team that could sneak into that conversation when KD gets added. But I, you know, I, I, no one in the West really puts the same fear in me as those top three teams in the East. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think a lot of us uh, uh, that cover and watch this league feel pretty much the same way. And 
Um, I think that's kind of what makes the West fun, though. Yes. Because you don't know what team is going to be the what teams are going to be the true contenders in the West. And with the East, once again, you can name those three squads and you know it's going to be one of them. And I think even when you look at Philly, like you were just saying, the toughest thing about them is who can match up with Joel Embiid well. There's not a single team that can. But then you go to the other side of things and Giannis Antetokounmpo is on line one as well. Also, an update from Woj. George is expected, Paul George, expected to be out for the rest of the regular seasons, nine games, but his timeline for a possible return to the playoffs will be clearer once he is re-evaluated. It's so. kind of like the story of the clip, this Clipper era, isn't it, too? Just like they cannot get both of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard healthy at the same time and at the right time. It just always feels like one of those two guys is out, and it's it's mainly been Kawhi, but now it's, I guess, I guess now it's Paul George's turn. Well, it's time for Westbrook to lead him, Chris. This yeah. is Westbrook's <laughs> opportunity. Oh. Let's go. Yeah. Did hey, you see Russell you... Westbrook's reaction after uh, after Kawhi's shot last night? Well, you mean when Lou Dort? Oh, yeah. Locked down Kawhi? Ooh. Yeah. Okay, he's a little scare scare. Wait, yeah. what was Russ's re- I actually didn't see his arms up like, yeah. what are we doing? Because yeah. Kawhi was just Kawhi did dribble no movement. the ball for 24 oh. seconds. <laughs> it was awful. It you was guys... Really I mentioned this to Deuce. I think I mentioned this to you last night over text during the game, but I saw one play down. It was the end of the first quarter, I believe. Malik Monk was coming down. There's a few seconds left on the shot or on the game clock. Three guys came up on him. Trey Lyles, you saw this? (laughs) Because we're Trey Bay. He's jumping. He's just jumping. He's jumping up and down. And he put his arms up and was like, ah. And then he, he, I saw him a few times on the bench, and I'm like, he doesn't look as like, high-spirited as he usually is. And sometimes, hey, I'm sorry to use this as an excuse to anyone that's going to get pissed off, but five games and seven nights, you just got back home, and it's just been a lot. Maybe something was weighing on him with that. But, yeah, I noticed his frustration too, and that made me sad because I, I feel like we hadn't seen that this season yeah. from the Kings yet. Yeah, so. that Malik shot was kind of crazy. It was. There was literally really three Celtics that like knew he was going to take that shot and like all swarmed at the exact right moment. I was like... I know you were at the Kings game last night, but um, were you locked into the World Baseball Classic final like our guy Frankie Cardicelli was? So Frank, before the game, yeah. Frankie literally we're chilling on the court talking before the game. Frankie has his phone out and he's watching the World Baseball Classic on his phone between, of course, Is he uh, Japan 80? and the U.S. Is he eighty? Some would say, yeah, he might some be. Would say. but honestly, the World Baseball Classic, I feel like I love this year. Does it? Yeah. Does that make people more excited about this upcoming baseball season? Uh, no, I, I, <laughs> I, I think it's kind of like its own entity. And, it, you know, yeah. I, I think a lot of people enjoy the the spirit of the World Baseball Classic. Like it is really exciting. And, you know, watching that, I don't know what year it was, but that Adam Jones home run robbery like that, that gets me hyped for sure. But uh, no, I, I don't think that this is necessarily going to translate into more people watching regular season baseball. No, I, I agree with you. I just. I thought it was kind of cool the fact that you have two of the premier players in baseball, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, both rotting in Anaheim, by the way. <laughs> yes. Like the, baseball Biggest is like games two of their most career. exciting players. Yeah. And they're going head, these teammates are going head to head. And Otani said it was one of the like, best moments of his, of his life. And I just felt like it was cool to see him get a lot of love because he is obviously such an incredible talent. And it gets lost in this 162 game season. The Angels have not been relevant. These guys probably don't get the love they deserve. 
It also goes to show you, I mentioned this the other day, like this tournament style thing, shockingly, it gets people invested. And mm-hmm. sports don't, NBA, Major League Baseball, they don't want to be honest with themselves about things. College and basketball, too. Say the same be thing about honest. college basketball. Nobody cares about the regular season. It's all about the tournament. It's all about that. And what do you look at? World Baseball Classic, the crowds were super into it. Mm -hmm. The games were compelling. Oh, the players were into it. And now they get ready to play 162 games. Why 162? Well, that's that's how it's done. We're done this way forever. That's how we make money. Oh, but what if you do something radical? Like, they have radically changed the game this year with some of the rule changes. But, like, shift the schedule. I, I don't understand why people, why it's so hard for people to evolve in so in in sports and everything it's like if that's the direction things are going and you're seeing consistency there don't be afraid of change everything changes and guess what we usually change for the better Mm -hmm. that's how life works i my thing with baseball for a long time has been the 162 game season just doesn't make sense anymore it's too long you're playing games every single day why does that make sense why? I, I know you used to do it. You've done it forever. So I've done it for a hundred some years. Who cares? Who cares? I, I want the games to feel meaningful. Like Chris was just saying with the tournament, it's like it felt meaningful. How do you get people involved? Maybe you don't play games every single day. Football, you know, I, part of it's based on the fact that they, you know, almost kill each other every week. But yeah. it's an event. It's yeah. like once a week. Exactly. So. Anyway. so annoying. Yeah. So annoying. I'm. How- I'm yeah, what, Chris? How much of it is the the longevity of it, and how much of it? And I, it's I think the the real answer is it's both. But like the longevity of it, and how much of it is just like how much fun can you? I mean, some people are going to take this really terribly, but how oh, much fun this. can no, you no, have no, in a baseball this. game? You know, like unless you're really into baseball and you care about the sport, like it's not like there's a lot of moments of oh yeah, like let's get up and stand up and cheer for this. Play. I don't know, like. I'm also a semi-baseball casual, so um, I could just be. I'm absolutely a cash when it comes to baseball, but I'll tell you this. I have much more fun at a baseball game, but I'm I'm not a season ticket holder. I'm not going to every single game. I'm going to one game a season, or I'm getting bougie and going to a big postseason game for the giants or something you know like i'm making it fun i'm making yeah, it an experience I mean, yeah i don't I, I think the experience itself is fun ballparks are a blast but i don't know the game itself i i went to a couple games last year and i think i spent a total of two innings watching the game right wow did you go to a's or giants a's. oh well they, okay but like you see what yeah. like the the um the savannah bananas like how they're oh, yeah. you know and obviously that that's a little extreme but it's it's an event. it's fun. It's meant to like I'm pumped for them coming to town. They're coming. Yeah, they're coming to uh, are they going to uh not Rayleigh Field. What is it? The uh Sutter Health? former known as Rayleigh Field. Sutter Health yeah. I think now. Um yeah, like I I look at something like that and I'm like why can't baseball take elements of that? Just make the game a little more fun. It just feels like it's a little too I'm buttoned with you. up. I'm with you. Well, we'll have fun tomorrow, Chris, and we're hanging out together. Morgan's not going to be here, so it's just going to be me and you for three hours. Growing out for three hours, four hours. Growing out. Talking about a lot well, of early 2000s uh, pop and, well, and he, punk. I don't know why I don't know why anyone says four hours. Deuce isn't going to be there the first hour. Am I? No. No. See, no. no, no I don't think so. He, he's going to be oh, there. You definitely don't have to be. <laughs> that sounds no, like a challenge, I dude. I, 
No, you guys are going to have. I wasn't aware of that. You guys are going to have Brendan Nunes. So it's yes. going to be Chris Brent? and Co. Oh, and then oof. it's going to be Deuce and Mo. But instead of Mo, it's going to be Deuce, Chris, and Brendan in that first hour. Oh. Then Deuce and Chris in that second hour. And then in the third hour, it's going to be Deuce, Chris, and Frankie. Oh, Sounds like Deuce you're Let's welcome. Go. Deuce and Co. tomorrow. Let's Deuce and Co. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh, Chris, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, man. I appreciate I'm glad you. to get Christmas uh, started off right. Yeah, and uh, Christmas continues. We have Chris every hour. We have Chris Watkins this hour. Next hour, Chris Miles, NBA TV. Everybody's going to join us. We'll get the national perspective on the Kings, the MVP race, and more. It's Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports 1140. It's Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports. Yeah, Juice Mason Morgan, Reagan, hanging out on a Wednesday. Talk a lot of hoops today. Super excited to catch up with someone. Talk about talent. Oh, you mm. see him on NBA TV. Mm. He'll do play-by-play. Mm-hmm. He'll host. He's beyond <laughs> talented. And a huge shout-out to him. He's been giving the Beam team some love. Yes, he has. Yes, He's he has. the one and only Chris Miles. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, great to catch up with you guys. You know, it was, it was cr- crazy interesting because I wore the sweater, you know, showing some love. And then we had Mike Brown on like two days later. And it was like, oh, a lot of Sacramento things yeah. happening here at NBA TV. Look at you, Chris. I love it. <laughs> By the way, thank you so much for the love. We've had so many people tweet at us, send us the photo and go, oh, my gosh, he's wearing two Samo crew neck. So, yeah, but I mean, obviously, I don't blame you for wanting to have all these attachments <laughs> with Sacramento right now because it's a fun time here. And, you know, I got I, I got to know you a little bit um, last year or however many years ago that was now at the G league showcase when we first did a game together and you know, I always had to try and stick up for Sacramento and they weren't doing well. Well, this year it's a little bit different. What are you guys seeing over there? NBA TV? Well, it was crazy because not only did you have like a good G league team, good summer league team, you could kind of feel like, all right, the pieces are here. They got to make some moves. I mean, what we talk about all the time, right? It's like, all right, how real is this team? And the disrespect that happened around Star is really when we started to talk about you guys a little bit more, right? Like in a sense, like, okay, Sacramento, Utah doing well early in the season. This is cute. It'll fade. Like that was kind of the reaction. But when De'Aaron Fox was not named an all-star off the top, it's like, hold on, hold on. We got to defend De'Aaron Fox, number one clutch player in the league. Which, And that's really where the narrative for us, like on a national scale, became, hey, why are people not noticing what De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis are doing right now as a, as a duo, and why is Fox not an all-star? There's the question. Uh, so anytime we went out to your games or anything, that's the first thing we're talking about. And I think that narrative kind of helped, right? Like if De'Aaron Fox was named an all-star just like, immediately then maybe it wouldn't have been this like controversial thing that we wanted to stand up for the kings for this so then it was like hey maybe we need to do a better job of letting people that are watching our channel know like how good the sacramento kings are and that kind of became a thing and having mike brown on the other day he started to go on all nba yes all nba before we could even ask the question so it was great yeah, where are you at with that? All NBA. I mean, I feel like Sabonis is an obvious third team guy. I mean, you got Jokic and B. I think Fox is a legit case this year for what he's been able to do. 
legit case, it'd be a travesty if he's not. So yeah. here's the thing, right? Look at games played because that matters to me, right? And I'm all in on about 65 being the games played in an 82-game season for someone to qualify, first and foremost, right? Mm. 58 is too low. I think 72 might be asking too much for the current NBA landscape. I think 66 games, 65, you know, above 65 is where I'm at with it. So De'Aaron Fox obviously qualifies there. But the number one clutch scorer in the NBA, a team that's, you know, second or third. I know they're third now, but at the time they were second uh, in the Western Conference. Like, yeah, De'Aaron Fox deserves that. And I think the clutch scoring is enough, but his averages are where they need to be. If you're the best clutch scorer in the NBA, you're all NBA to me. Somewhere in there, you deserve a spot, and we'll figure it out for other people after that. That's how I see it. So what about what about Domas? Because obviously that's someone that, you know, you watch everything going on around in the NBA. I don't know how much Pacers – you were covering when oh. Domas was there. Okay, okay, I, yeah, okay, okay. So obviously things have changed, though. You know, not having to be next to Miles Turner, being able to really find his identity with this King squad and this offense. What what are you seeing from him this season? Well, first and foremost, and I mean this with no disrespect to Miles Turner, Demontis Sabonis took that spot and was like, "This is what you should be doing with it." <laughs> Right. Mm. So let's understand watching that happen when Miles Turner was the guy, he was the guy they drafted, the guy they paid that was supposed to be the real deal. And Sabonis kind of came over in a trade as like the extra piece. Right. Like, don't forget that that that's how he ended up in Indiana. Like, oh, we can go. All right, we're going to move Paul George. We're going to get an all star back. Right. Let's see what this other guy like can bring to the table. So when I saw him go to Sacramento, I'm like, all right, he's a double-double machine. But then the triple-double started to pick up. Oof. And that's that's an indication of a well-coached offense. That's an indication of a team that understands to move without the ball. And that's what the Sacramento Kings are. I think his deficiency is the same as the rest of the team, right? He's not a rim protector. And this team lacks defense from that on. But I think offensively, he's an absolute juggernaut. And that's what we're seeing this season. I think some Kings fans obviously are enjoying the season, but trying to understand, okay, like how real is this season? Because the Kings go from Vegas thinking they're going to win like 32 games to here they are, like you mentioned, the number three seed right now in the Western Conference, and they're going to end the playoff drought. How, How big of a threat do you think this team could be in the postseason? Well, props to everybody that took the over on those 32 wins, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, that's that's an easy money. Easy that's money, what we call yeah. that, right? Um, I, I think for the Kings, man, I know they can score in the clutch, right? We've already been over that. I know they can outscore teams, but take this loss to Boston. That's, that's what playoff basketball is going to be. Can you defend, not the entire game, right? But can you defend when it matters? Yes. And I remember defending De'Aaron Fox, and you might remember this morning, like, Three, two, three years ago, I was like, do you know he has the number one pick and roll? He's the number one pick and roll defender. Did you know that about De'Aaron Fox? Because people were like banging on him. I'm like, have you seen Foxy? Have you seen how good he is? Because the team's not good, but that guy's good. And people were like, Chris, he's not that good. I'm like, he is that good. Watch him. So I know he can do it defensively. I just, and I know off night can do it defensively. But then I look at the rest of the roster and I'm like, who else do, do you trust? And I think that's a question Maybe they have to answer in the offseason because if you can answer that question, you go from, 
oh, great to break the 16-year drought from the playoffs to, okay, now you're contending. Because next year, if they're able to have a good postseason, that's going to be the question, right? This is the, the, the you know, house money year. Next year, yes. it's going to be, all right, can you defend? Yeah, yeah. Now you got the wins. What are you going to do for us? It's so it's so true, and that's what we keep telling. You know, so many. I love fandom of all teams, and I think Kings fans, especially, not only because I'm here, I've been a Kings fan my whole life, but um, you're you saw a, a a fan base that hasn't seen winning for so long. So then the expectations were small in the beginning of the year, but people were still excited. And now that they're good, it's like championship, baby, let's go. And it's like, all right, all right, no, let's calm down. Like how they're already ahead of schedule and you're exactly right. The way that we see this team develop and what the tweaks that they need to make for next season to be better, especially on the defensive end is going to make a huge difference because you're looking at postseason basketball. We don't know right now where the Kings are going to land. I know the magic number is four. They need those four more wins and depending on what other teams do as well. So for you though, when you look at the Western conference right now, do you have a favorite in the Western conference? Absolutely not. This is, this is ridiculous. So first of all, right. We on this very program game time, Three and a half years ago, Candace Parker said, oh, Nikola Jokic should be in the MVP discussion. And I remember Twitter laughing at her. Right? I remember it happening clear as day. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong, people. I'm watching the same thing you're watching. And I see this guy belongs in the MVP conversation. But point is, I've been waiting for the Nuggets to just, like, be that team. Okay? And it just is not happening. And I kind of look through the conference and I'm like, there is a – when I say question mark – there is a, a huge blemish with every team. For the Kings, it's defense. For the Nuggets is, can we trust, you know, them defending the wing? Uh, for the Suns, can they be healthy? For the Grizzlies, they have injuries up front in the John Morant situation, right? Like, there's just, there's so much to, to wonder about every team. I would have said the Nuggets, and I would have said the Grizzlies before um, Steven Adams and Brandon Clark's injury and John Morant, you know, missing time. Yeah. So, I don't. I, I don't have a favorite because I'm scared about every team. Like in the East, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, it's been that way since before the season started for me throughout what's happened this season. I said they're my favorite to win the championship. And if Chris Middleton can be healthy, which he is now, I don't know anyone that can beat them. But on out West, I could see the Kings. Why not go to the conference finals, right? Everyone else has a question mark. Why not you? Yeah, wow. I mean – it's hard to argue that I because know. I don't. I'm with you, Chris. I don't trust anybody, and I've had my moments throughout the year. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm in on Denver, and then you're like, actually, am I on De- in on Denver? Is Jamal Murray like 100? percent Porter is as talented as he can be. He could be wildly inconsistent, especially defensively. So you have questions there, and then with the Suns, I just wonder, even if Durant gets back. Are they going to have enough time to kind of build that cohesiveness and try to do it in the playoffs? I feel like that's pretty challenging. Well, I I don't feel like they have enough bodies that, look, if you're going to go from April, we'll say 10th or April 15th, whatever date you want to use, to the middle of June without Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, or Chris Paul missing time, I don't see that. I just don't see that. Right. Go look back the last couple of seasons. I feel like one of those guys, whether it's a hamstring or missing a series or not being, you know, even 80 percent, 
I just that's the only reason that I'm not saying the Phoenix Suns and because Kevin Durant in warmups, you know, before he could play a home game, boom, oh. goes down. So, I mean, it, it came to fruition, but talent-wise, it would be the Phoenix Suns, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker alone, those two, and DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, I mean, it, that's what that's what's – it's pretty wild when you do look at the West and you just talk about all the talent that is there that just recently came to the Western Conference. And even looking at the Dallas Mavericks, you know, they added Kyrie Irving next to Luka. Mm-hmm. There's been um, a lot of health problems there as of late do you see anything with those two working out and having a future together well I'm very biased about the Dallas Mavericks because I have friends on that staff right so I I, you know I kind of almost have those Dallas Maverick colored glasses on all the time like oh it's gonna work out um Luca coming back is a big deal and with Kyrie and, and Luca, you know you got two closers that are definitively not like, oh, they can do it, but like have shown us over and over again their capabilities. But yeah. they gave away their defense. I mean, they literally, the, the, the guys that were good on the defensive end, they were like, all right, we're going to ship you off. Same thing to the Suns now. Mikel Bridges is Mr. Availability, right? They say availability is the best ability. They gave him away. But I look at Dodo leaving as kind of like, man, he was the glue guy on defense. And remember the Mavs run last year? They had the fifth best defense right after Jason Kidd came in. And you look at January on uh, through the playoffs, and that's why they went to the Western Conference Finals. So I'm a little bit afraid of their defensive identity just not being there. But offensively, I think they can hang with anybody. Yeah, I I just I look at Luca and I feel like he almost needs another disappointing like he needs a disappointing finish because I think he is as great as he is, I think he can be better not only on the floor but his conditioning and sometimes you need to feel a little disappointment. Yeah, failure. To get there. And maybe this year is that year for him because I just look at him like he could be one he's already great. We know this, but I think he could be so much better. What, what do you make of, of Luca? I think from the way that he plays, he needs a roll to the basket big that plays above the rim. And really that's simple. Like, I know that seems like Chris, really? That's it. A hustling play above the rim, like Clint Capella, uh, obviously like the creme de la creme, all, like in, would have been like Dwight Howard. But like that type of guy that wants to set the pick, roll hard, rebound, play around the basket. Mitchell Robinson. You know, like, there's a lot of guys out there that you think of, like, oh, yeah, if he was with Luka, uh, sky's the limit. But they haven't had that guy. And Dwight Powell is, you know, 6'8". I mean, he's the same. remember seeing Dwight Powell, like, he looks like Smitty. He's about Smitty size. <laughs> Smitty was a two-guard, right? Like, they need somebody that has bounce, that can, you know, finish plays around the rim, think, you know, John Collins' first couple of years. I know we haven't seen that in a while, but, like, just someone like that on the floor that opens it up for Luca. That's what I think. Okay. Before we get to um, Coach of the Year. It's Mike Brown, right? He's not going to. Well, that's what I – okay, actually, just go straight to Coach of the Year. Coach of the Year, Chris. Do not even. You son (laughs) of a – So, here's the thing. He's got friends. This is what it is. No, no, no. You know, a lot of times when it comes down to the voters, there's sympathy for teams that have like had a tidal wave and Mm. still kind of, and I kind of look at Taylor Jenkins 
and I oh. go, I think he's going to get the vote. Mike really? Brown, Mike Brown, three weeks ago, a month ago, I'm like, oh yeah, Mike Brown, obviously. But when I caught in, in, I'm just saying the turnaround in Sacramento is a great story. And I'm like, man, like the Grizzlies are second out West. Tyus Jones, turn it up a notch. They had played without their center, without their backup center slash power forward. Then they started the season without Jaron Jackson Jr. And then this John Morant thing happens. And it's like, they're still right there. So He's I think wrong. I think the voters are it's it's I think it's going to be one of those two teams. I think you're either going to have Taylor Jenkins and Mike Brown. Here's a thing that Mike Brown does, and you guys know this. He's a media darling, right? <laughs> so once you interview him, you're like, I like this guy. Check my vote. And Taylor Jenkins is very personable, but I don't know if he has that same like, I like him feel when you're done talking to him. you guys know exactly what i'm talking oh about. Yes. for sure and obviously that's going to play a part in any of these situations but the thing that i will say too that this has to this has to be one of the main things chris is that mike brown is taking a team that has the longest playoff drought in the nba with 16 seasons and in his first year is putting them into the postseason and not limping in, you know, not like playing and like limp, let's get in. It's like they are up there. And I get I mean, they might have home court advantage. And that's that's where I'm like, I do go, oh, it has to be Mike Brown, but it is fun hearing an outside perspective because for me it's like, oh, it's <laughs> it's obviously no one else. I was thinking Missoula, if anything. Oh no! <laughs> I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna save that one. Um, I, I I think the I'll just say this: I think the Celtics have lost three coaches that they you know whether you look at Emi Udoka, Will Hardy, and now Damon Stoudemire, and I think you're starting to see like some of that unravel a little bit. So mm. we'll put that over here and kind of and move that. Interesting. The, the narrative for Mike Brown is strong, and I think it might have like peaked a little early for voters. I'm not saying how I feel. I'm saying I'm trying to get yeah. the mind yeah. of the guys I know that vote and what they say to me and what they might say in this situation. So I think it's it's a it's a two man race: Taylor Jenkins and Mike Brown. I think Mike Brown, like you said, 16 year drought, the longest drought in the four major professional American sports, right? And a team that was just not on the radar coming into the season that no one expected, and a team right? That didn't make a, a major addition during the season, right? It's not like they went and got someone in the off season. That's like, that player is the reason. No, it's the coach. That is the difference between this year and last year. So I think that all of those things point to what you're saying. And I think there's just going to be two guys and it depends on what narrative you like more, uh, who you vote for. I have a feeling I know who your MVP is based on what you were saying about the Bucks. Are you are you leaning toward it being Giannis again, or are you putting Embiid there? First of all, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm the founding member and president of the Giannis fan club. Oh, I don't You're, know. The founding member? Oh my goodness. Oh, I you so can ask to anyone. You. Here's the thing. Now it's like, people are like, what? Like how you just reacted. No, I was telling people about Giannis. You know how people go, no one predicted this. I was annoying people predicting this when Giannis was 19 and 20 years old. People were like, stop. He's not going to be that good. Stop. Whoa. Yes, and, I, and 
You know Chris Miller, the play-by-play voice for the Washington Wizards. They're Nick Ashew, who does. You can ask people, and they'll be like, actually, Chris is not. He's not lying to you. He was wow. telling us about this guy back then. So when I see what he's accomplished and the fact that he should be. I saw the odds for defensive player of the year. Brooke Lopez, right, is favored to win defensive player of the year. And I watched. We did the bet stream for the Phoenix Suns in the Milwaukee Bucks game, and Devin Booker caught the ball on the wing. You can go find it. I think it was in the second quarter. Saw Giannis. It was like, ooh, Mufasa, and threw the ball away, okay? <laughs> he, threw the, he just threw the ball away, like, on the wing. This is yeah. Devin Booker. He caught the ball and was like, oh, not him, and threw the ball in the traffic, and we were talking about it like, did you see that? Later in the game, he saw Brooke Lopez and was like, hmm, barbecue chicken, crossover, 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 score. And, like, the point that I'm making is Giannis, you know, you see these, like, memes. I think Mariel Chalmers were like, people didn't fear LeBron, whatever, yeah. get into that. Do you ever see people's faces when Giannis comes out to defend mm. me? Oh, they're scared. Your favorite player is like, oh, not him. And that's kind of like defensive player of the year is an award he should be getting this year. MVP is another award he should be getting this year. Just go look at points per minute in NBA history. And there's my case. And he makes everyone else better. You're selling and me. He does. And, and I'm glad you brought up the point because I, and it's nothing against Brooke Lopez, no. but I think Brooke Lopez has done a great job, but his life is easier defensively because yes. of Giannis, because of Drew Holiday. Like they've got legit pieces on that team. And, you know, Lopez get all love right now. And I, I admire that, but Giannis is unbelievable. I agree. No, I agree. And it, I know you are obviously the founder of the fan club, but I mean, for people who aren't even fully in that fan club and would love to be, by the way, um, I totally agree with you in what he's capable of doing on the floor is just magical. And I hope that that voter fatigue just doesn't get in the way with some of these guys and their talents. But one last thing, do you feel like people are leaning toward Joel Embiid right now, though? I do, and here, here's my, like, objective jokes aside take. There are three guys deserving of the MVP this season, right? Nikola Jokic, Giannis, Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. I feel like to the victor goes the spoils. Whoever has the best record of those three players, right, the stats add up, they all deserve it, that guy should be your MVP. You look at games played, games missed, all of it seems to be in the same category between those three guys. Best record between those three teams. I think you give it to that guy in all NBA to the other guys and let, let them sift through it. But uh, Nikola Jokic with the triple doubles, more triple doubles than Wilt Chamberlain, Joel Embiid finally bringing it every single night. I saw, like, a, I think George Carl and Gilbert Arenas were like, oh, uh, he takes plays off. I'm like, you're watching last year. Joel Embiid doesn't do that. This is no disrespect to Joel Embiid. But he's taken a bit of Giannis and added it to his game. So that's that's where I'm I'm going with Giannis as my MVP. I agree with you, man. Hey, this was a fun conversation. Chris, it's You're, been too long, man. Yeah. And you know, we were like last time we saw you, it's a G League showcase. We're so busy just trying to get through all the Prep. games and prepping and stuff. <laughs> but dude, it was it was good catching up with you. Thank you for taking the time. Well, summer league this year, make sure that uh, you know, we, we get breakfast or something. I know it's like very busy for everyone. Breakfast, yeah. lunch, dinner or something. Absolutely. And, you know, and hopefully I get a, another Kings game. I had a, a couple uh two years ago. I don't think I had any last summer league. 
So hey, we'll take you around Sacramento hey, if hey, you could ne- get never over know. Here. NBA TV could be here in June. I mean, hey. I, I don't know. <laughs> Probably you not, know, but we could dream. My dad for not making that part of the equation. I'm yeah, skipping yeah. July. And you're like, what about June, Chris? Yeah. That's a great point. Uh, um, Chris, thanks so much, man. We'll we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks for having me. Chris Miles, NBA TV. Man, such a good guy. He's such a good guy. So talented, can do so many different things. And I just love that. Like, you know, it's funny. Usually whenever you have a guest on, you kind of throw to them, oh, we're going to talk to you about this and this. But I always forget, you can just throw anything at people that cover the entire league. He's so. in the league. He's watching yeah. games all the time. Yeah. That's what he's doing. NBA TV there. You see him all the time uh, with a ton of different people. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, he's really talented. So. Uh, we will take a break. We'll come back. Uh, he was talking about John Moran. John Moran did talk to the media yesterday. There's some stuff to talk about there. We can get back into the King Celtics. Plus, the Christmas day continues. We've had Chris Watkins, Chris Miles, Chris Biederman from the B coming up at 1 o'clock. It's Juice Mo on Sacktown Sports 1140. Live and local. It's Deuce and Mo. Watch the show now on YouTube.com slash Sacktown Sports 1140. Or listen for free on the Sacktown Sports app. You know, Morgan, I think if you cut me open right now, <laughs> you can get an espresso shot from my veins. I think that's what, what what's inside my body over the last month. It's Deuce and Mo here on Sacktown Sports 1140. Is it also purple? No. No, it's it's dark. Pure, oh, dark. dark and I coffee. You, I thought you bled purple. I don't. Not 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 this month. It's all this espresso color. Yeah. No, it's definitely it's definitely it's you you guys and it's so funny too because like never complaining, but it is it's just more hilarious when you are going 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 and then you're like oh hey let's not focus on like what I'm putting in my body the things I put in my body have been coffee and probably what has caused all the rashes <laughs> on my face. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we'll talk some more Kings coming up at the top of the hour, too. Kings lost to Celtics. They get ready for the Suns Friday night. A much-needed day off for the Sacramento Kings after playing five games in seven nights. Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee. He's doing an awesome job covering the team. We'll talk to him coming up at the top of the hour about what went down last night between the Kings and the Celtics. And look ahead. The Kings magic numbers four. It could be three after the night. Dallas and Golden State, they play tonight. Ooh. And Luca's returning. All right. So Wait. get it down to three. If uh, I think Golden State plays again Friday against the Sixers, they can lose to the Sixers. It's down to two. Kings win Friday. It's down to one. And then they could clinch Saturday night. Against, against the, the Utah, Utah Jazz. If my math is right. And that could be wrong, too. And if it is wrong, that's okay because yeah. it still sounds fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, John Morant is back tonight. He John is. John Morant is back tonight. He talked to the media yesterday. Nothing illegal about going to clubs when you're on the road. Uh, not the first NBA player to do, it, to do it, not the last. Can you continue going out as much as you do? And, and like you said, keep the main thing the main thing? Is that the focus? is keeping the main thing the main thing. So clubbing and all is not on my mind at all right now. He says clubbing is not on his mind at all right now. It's an ongoing process, a continued process for me. Obviously, you know, I've been there, uh, you know, for two weeks, but, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, I'm completely better. So, um, you know, that's an ongoing process for me. That, you know, I've still been continuing, you know, since I've been out. So, a couple of things there, Morgan. He said he also said he had a problem with alcohol. Yeah. And he says in that last clip, 
that he is not completely better yet. Um, it's an ongoing process. I think on the surface you go, ooh, maybe you need more time away. And then I start thinking, aren't we all just kind of day-to-day sometimes? Not all of us are great all the time, and you just kind of get through life. But uh, what do you think about what John Morant had to say yesterday? You know, I, I really do like how he's handling a lot of this stuff. Like that's That can't be easy, especially when you're hmm. young. No, and I'm not doing this whole, like, justification or sympathy card at all i'm just more looking at it from i'm just humanizing the situation a little and you know he wanted to look like a hard ass have a gun be drunk do whatever um be cool with his peers maybe or looking like a hard ass to his peers and then you have all this thrown at you and reality is thrown at you and it's like oh you got to come back down to earth. It's got to, he's got to feel embarrassment. He's got to feel a little bit of shame with his teammates. He's probably feeling all these things and still being able to be mature with the way that he talks to the media about certain things. I know that Jalen Rose interview was more about fluff and just like have, you know, it's a controlled setting and everything, but now you're throwing more media scrums at him and he's getting asked these questions. And I think he's handling it well and saying the things about, clubbing and everything it's just it's not on his mind and obviously that's the right thing to say yeah and they played tonight against the houston rockets he's on the home floor he also said he was talking about the fact that yeah he's got to deal with going on the road at some point in dealing with the fans and stuff that they may say yeah it's you obviously wish him the best for sure i think the other challenge for him is not only to get back and go and they're playing without dylan brooks tonight he has a one game suspension for picking up his 18th technical they're still without stephen adams when's he coming back brandon clark's out for the year this Memphis team is hanging tough in the West, like Chris Miles was saying. Chris Miles was saying with his last segment, yeah, they're hanging in there. But you, I think a few months ago, there was a legit conversation about them being a championship contending team. Absolutely. I don't view them that way anymore. No, I'm with you, and I think it mostly goes to um, how they've been handling themselves. One, I, I, I that's got to be a little damaging to their culture, right? Just because of. It, and we might see them rally back from it. It might make them stronger, but at the same time, it feels a little damaging to the health concerns of these people, you know, Brandon Clark um, with his injury done, but then Steven Adams as well, just that huge hit with chemistry and everything on the floor. And just what is your identity? They've still been able to win games, but I think when you look at them as contenders coming out of the West, it just doesn't feel real. I'm with you on that. Another star is coming back tonight too. Who? Carl Anthony Towns is back for the Minnesota Timberwolves, making his debut after missing the last 51 games with that calf issue as a grade three strain. He is back tonight for Minnesota. They're hanging right now in that ninth spot, I believe, in the Western Conference. They're ninth at 36 and 37. One thing on them, and I know Chris Finch is not going, their head coach is not going to get a ton of love for Coach of the Year. I, I think it's no doubt about it, Mike Brown. But you can argue like Finch has deserved some love for the coaching job he has done this year, not to win it, but like, yeah, Kat being gone, the fact that they totally changed the team by throwing Gobert and Cat his way, trying to maneuver through that, you know, trying to find a way to patch things together when Cat went out, and then what Anthony Edwards has been able to do this year, they're hanging tough with all that. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you on that i think he's done a fantastic job of just kind of still being um a team that's in it in the western conference for everything that has been thrown at them and 
being what has been thrown is like even strategy. You get Rudy Gobert and Cat thrown at you and by the way, now he's going to have to work with it again. We just had a conversation with Chris Miles. We've talked about this for a long time with Miles Turner and Domas Sabonis and why things weren't working and sometimes it's just not going to mesh. Uh with Gobert and Cat, why do they think the the two big situations it's not is going still to going work. to work there? And this is the challenge, right? They they open things up tonight with the Hawks in Cat's return. It was a clunky fit before. Mhm. Now you're asking Cat to come back this late in the year. Anthony Edwards may play tonight too, and try to make it work again. Do they? We talk about the Suns and oh, can they have this cohesiveness in the playoffs when Durant returns? I trust that more to figure itself out because KD is that elite of a talent and he's played with other star players, right? And the fit's not clunky. The fit with Cat in Minnesota with Gobert is clunky. At times early in the season, Anthony Edwards was not involved enough. And so how do you find that balance? And I think it's on Cat to, it's not about Minnesota trying to work with Cat. Cat's got to fit in with what they're doing. And I know how talented he is. I think he needs to adjust expectations. I know he's going to be excited to come back and try to make an impact, but he's got to kind of fit into what they've been able to establish this year and see what they could do with it. I just don't think that team is going far at all with cat back. And I understand it's talent. People get on me all this, all the time about cat and they, they treat it as if this is fantasy basketball. Yeah. I love cats talent. He's yep. an offensive threat, his three point shooting, but fit matters. It does. matter. I mean, yeah, yeah. And that's a whole nother topic of what happened in Sacramento for so many years, but yeah. And then I look at Anthony Edwards, who isn't going to be back right away with cat, but when he does come back, remember what it was in the beginning of the season? There was clips of, of him off to the side, you know, putting his hands up in the air going, okay, I'm just out of the offense. I, no yep. one's dealing with me over here. Cat's just going to work and doing his thing. And sometimes that can be a good thing. Other times that just screws with the whole flow of the offense. And that's what seemed like was happening in the beginning. I realized we were supposed to break. I, I? I was going to do that to you, but it's whatever. We got more coming up. Uh, Chris Biederman coming up at 1. We're always live on YouTube, though. YouTube.com slash Sacktown Sports 1140. It's Juice and Mo. Sacktown Sports 1140 and SacktownSports.com. It's Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports. Well, well, well. Well. It's that time. Chris Verlod (laughs) is back, and he's got darkness, I'm sure. It's uh, everybody's favorite segment of the day from Chris Verlod. It's time for story time with Chris Verlod, baby. We interrupt this program for an important announcement. It's that time of the day where Chris Verlod gives you the stories that you need to hear. Maybe not. All right, Christopher Lodd. I can't wait to see what you have in store today. I will say it's not dark, but I think it's stories that make you think. Oh, I like it. I can't wait. Hopefully you're a little smarter in your day-to-day life after these stories. Okay. Let's start with Westford, Massachusetts. This comes courtesy of WCVB5. Patriots Day is a big deal in New England. You guys know about that? Sure. I've heard of it. Okay. 
So members of the 6th Middlesex County Regiment were practicing Sunday at the Westford Museum for their upcoming Patriots Day reenactment. So they were all dressed up as British soldiers and New England soldiers getting ready to talk about the American Revolution. Well, at some point during the practice, one of the loaded muskets went off and set a projectile through a six-inch beam and a ceiling joist. Several people were inside the museum when the gun went off, but luckily no one was hurt. The Westford police were called about the incident, and the musket was confiscated from the reenactment group. What? <laughs> do you know what you're doing? Why do you have to have a loaded musket in that situation? Yeah, yeah well, that's... It's, it's a so reenactment. You... You're not really doing it. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Like, luckily no one was hurt. You can't see something like that happening on a regular basis, correct? <laughs> okay. Where that is type this... of stuff never happens. Where is this going? Let's go to Riverside, California. This is courtesy of the Southern California News Group. A man in his 20s was injured during a Civil War reenactment at Chanson Alvarado Historic Ranch and Museum on Saturday. At 11.30, Riverside County Sheriff's deputies were called for a report of a man with a possible gunshot wound. So they showed up. The deputies found the man who had been struck by an unknown type of projectile from an artificial firearm. It wasn't a real gun. But something came out of it that shot the man. So it wasn't a real gun. It wasn't a real musket. But something came out that struck the man. The man was taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. No arrests have been made, and investigators do not believe foul play was involved. What side was he on? <laughs> That's a good question. That didn't come up in the story. Okay, okay. So maybe um, someone they- was really, like, really taking it seriously. Uh, can we just go back to like Renaissance fairs? Do we have to do like war reenactments? Right. Hey, let's reenact this bloody mess. Thank you. Where people die. That. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Hey, we're gonna pretend. I'm gonna pretend to be a Confederate soldier. Like, there, what is wrong with you? There's so many other things that we could teach about history <laughs> and like actually learn from than these stupid ass reenactments where people somehow have tools or fake guns that can still hurt one another it is why are we reenacting these really crazy or hey let's reenact the titanic adults adults are doing this too by the way like adults are getting hurt like playing with weapons like you might as well run with a pair of scissors you dumbasses You, you wouldn't go to a titanic reenactment Honestly, I'm intrigued. I, I, want to see how they, I, I want to see how they execute it. I do. No. So, what? is that something that you guys would be interested in going to as a Civil War or Revolutionary no, War? Here's my problem with those people: they get way too into it. Yes. they spend way too much on the costumes. They obviously have weapons that are too realistic. It goes too far. And why? Why? Why do they? What's the fun in it? Is it like just to go back to that time? Oh, that was really fun. Yeah, War. I think that's really that's what gets me is like people <laughs> getting excited about yeah, reenact the Donner Party. <laughs> it's just like why do people? I understand history being being cool in some ways. Like I think there's and when I say some history, I'm talking about like historical artifacts and like music. There's like buildings and these things. But when you think about war and what war really is in the amount of innocent lives that have been lost through this. Yeah, have play play fake war over there. Have fun, guys. Morons. These these people weren't like trained with their weapons. We should probably think that 
if someone was more trained with their weapons, they would be able to do things safely, correct? Uh, uh, you would maybe. hope so. Yeah, absolutely. Greenville, South Carolina. <laughs> Courtesy Buckle of up. WSPA. Three Greenville County deputies have been disciplined after an incident of friendly fire left a deputy with an injured foot. Now, before I get started, what do you think happened? Shot himself in the foot? <sighs> I think they were just playing around. They were on a break and they were just like, yeah, you want to fire the weapon a little bit? I don't know. Sheriff deputies were training with blank rounds during a controlled exercise. After the exercise, wow. a deputy fired a blank round from a simulation gun at another as a joke. The second deputy responded likewise by firing back, but he forgot he already switched back his on-duty weapon and struck the deputy in the foot. Both deputies were given a 10-day suspension, and their supervisor was given a three-day suspension. This 10-day, three-day suspension, they're really going to learn from acting like a child. That's what like, a 13-year-old does. Like They're playing with a BB gun. Hey, let me shoot my friend. Adult? An adult, an adult trained? That, thank you. That you're supposed to trust with a gun. Hey, I'm going to shoot your foot. I hate this world so much. It's Wait, not so, even funny. So who shot the sheriff? It must have been the... It no, it was a deputy. It must have been the deputy. Um, it was the deputy. Was the deputy. Yeah, it was the deputy. It was the deputy. That's ridiculous. And also, how they determined the, the suspension. Yeah. Oh, man, a foot? Well, if it was a knee, it would have been 12 days. So. Give him a th- give him a three-day weekend, and it's good. How, like, thankful is a person, like, I'm glad I didn't shoot at his body or, or at someplace else. Yeah, yeah. well, and it's, it's you know, someone else brought this up, too. You know, everything that was going on with the Alec Baldwin stuff on the movie set with him then getting in involuntary manslaughter, I believe, is what he ended up getting. Um, and it's... I don't know how many times now people don't understand, like, do not point any type of weapon, fake, real, any sort of weapon at anyone at any time in your life. Barely even a Nerf gun, people. Like, water gun, maybe by the pool. Maybe by the pool. Just by the pool. As someone who has been in many airsoft wars, I disagree. <laughs> have you have you had have you played airsoft war before, I have not. Chris? Uh, What's the idea? Uh, you of it? did like paintball. Uh, have you seen one of the airsoft little? They're like yeah. little yellow things. Yeah, yeah. I mean you, they hit you. They sting. Didn't you bit. do like a major airsoft war for a bachelor yeah. party or something? In Oatman, Arizona. Yeah, yeah, and that was last year. In oh. my thirties. Okay, it was fun. <laughs> you wore protective, but laser tag. As someone just mentioned, dude, laser tag is legit. Who yeah. has ever had a bad time playing laser tag? Never. You've never, never heard of anyone going, oh, my God, I got shot by that laser and it hurt. No. You, I mean, the one thing you do, run, I remember being a kid, laser force, you're like, they tell you not to run, but you're like, I have to run around. Yeah. And you it's just run into people dark. with these big plastic guns. Or... I hated when I would, like, feel the, like, like stunned by the vibration of the vest. Yep, and yep. you're like, there's no, there's no way anyone got me. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anything else, Chris? Any more people shooting fake guns at each that's, other? That's it. That's it for the day. That's um, awesome. Great story time it. with Chris Verlaud. Good stuff. Christmas continues. Oh, Chris Watkins, Chris Miles, Chris Verlaud. And coming up next, Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee joins us. We'll talk about last night's Kings loss to Boston and look ahead to the Suns game on Friday. It's Deuce and Mo. This is Sacktown Sports. 
Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo. Sacktown Sports. Yes, yeah, just Mason, Morgan, Reagan, hanging out with you on a Wednesday. Super excited to catch up with Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee, who's absolutely killing it. Killing covering it. Covering the Sacramento Kings. Chris, no, you really are. I mean, obviously, I know you've done, you've been in the game for a long time. You did a lot of stuff on the Niners. Now you're focused in on the Kings. It's. I feel like it's hard to be, and maybe it's not. Maybe I'm overrating your talent. I don't know. You crushed it with the Niners, and you're crushing it with the Kings. I yes. feel like you're just a really good storyteller, one. But you ask really good questions, and it feels like you've been around Sacramento covering the Kings for years. You fit in like it's been perfect. Well, I, I appreciate that. I don't. I don't love like talking about myself in those terms, but I, I will say like <laughs> I I got to. I got to be around a lot of really great people and really great journalists covering the 49ers. As you guys know, uh, Matt Barrows, Matt Mayoko, Eric Branch, Nick Wagner. Um, And, you know, so I've been lucky in that coming up in the business and and covering pro sports, I've been surrounded by a lot of really great, talented people. And um, I've sort of learned to ask questions from them. And and I appreciate you saying that because I think a lot about the questions that I try to ask. And uh, and I think it's one of the most important parts of the job. So uh, I appreciate you you guys saying that. Yeah, I, I think you just do. A, they're very thoughtful, and you could tell you do take time. You always and, and, get something out of it. Yeah, I think there are too many times. You know, that you you. I mean, we were around enough press conferences. Like, okay, that was a really lame question. Sure, we're just asking a question <laughs> to ask a question. And Chris, I feel like you you have a purpose for it. So I, I don't know. I've just really enjoyed your work. Um, talking about last night's Kings game. Did, did you feel like that was more of like a scheduled loss? I know the Celtics are legit, and I feel like even if the Kings were arrested, it was going to be a tough game. But how much do you think that impacted things, the fifth game in seven nights? Yeah, I, I think it did for sure. But also, like, it, these things happen in the NBA to every team. And it's not – the Celtics are playing their third game in four nights, and they were at the end of a long six-game road trip. So while it was a back-to-back and the Kings did have to come back from Utah – it, they weren't the only team on the floor last night dealing with difficult circumstances. The Celtics were, you know, basically playing on 10, their, their home stadium or their home city is at 10 PM. Like they, they've been on the road for a little bit. So their body clock might, might've been a little bit more adjusted at this point, but still a six game road trip for a team from the East coming out West is, is difficult. And yeah, like you're losing, you, you don't have Kevin Herter. Um, you have played a bunch of games. I, I, I have a feeling that the Kings players may or may not have been out in DC Saturday night. Um, so before, and then returning to the practice floor in Georgetown on Sunday mm. and then um, flying to Utah and playing that game. So yeah, I, sure. Like you could, you could say it was tired legs and, and a lot of that, but I, I think you, you could have made a similar case for the Celtics overall. And, you know, I don't, for me, from my standpoint, like to, to just write the game off as a schedule loss, I think glosses over a lot of the issues that the Kings had, right? Like a lot of it, um, yeah, maybe you're tired mentally and maybe you're not going to play with as much intensity offensively, but that doesn't mean you can't um, just try to move the ball more. It doesn't mean that you can't try try to cut back door more often. Like Mike Brown was talking about all these things that the Kings could have done to combat the Celtics switching defense. And frankly, it was just, you know, I think when it comes playoff time, that's that's the type of defense the Kings are going to have to be ready to go against. They're going to be going against teams that are going to be more locked in defensively with more talent on the defensive end 
uh, with a lot of length. And we know, particularly in De'Aaron De Fox and Demonis Sabonis' case, that like length can bother those guys. So um, I, I think it was, you know, the fact like it's the, the, the Kings are 0 6 against the top three teams in the East. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Philadelphia came in and, and beat the Kings in Golden One Center earlier this season without Joel Embiid and James Harden. And one of the things they talked about was just the physicality that those teams have and, and the Milwaukee Bucks last week. Like the physicality that those teams have is sort of something that those teams have gotten more comfortable with and adopted because of their experience that they've had in the playoffs. And Malik Monk basically said it last night that, you know, they've been there. They know the requisite physicality that it takes to, to play that type of basketball. And the Kings so far have been a great regular season story, and I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but there's, it's going to be a different level when they get to the playoffs. And, and they don't want to be a team that just breaks a 16-year playoff drought. They want to do more than that. They want to build something sustainable, and they want to be a contender for years to come. So they're going to have to imp- increase their physicality and be able to combat when other teams are physical against them. So I think it's it's been a pretty noticeable or notable litmus test for them playing against the Bucks and playing against a team like the Celtics. And that, yeah, you could say it was a schedule loss, but like these are still opportunities for you to measure yourself against teams that are really top tier NBA championship contenders. And ultimately, if you want to get there, you need to play a certain way. And I think the Bucks and Celtics proved a little bit to them that you have to play a different way than you have been playing in the regular season if you're going to take that next step and become a true championship contender. Yeah, and I think, too, when you look at teams like the Celtics and the Bucks in these last couple of weeks, they played up. You know, they they came in wanting to make sure they were playing their best basketball against the Sacramento Kings. You saw the way that the Celtics played last night after their loss against the Jazz the other night. And we hear this story on The Athletic today that, oh, Al Horford brought his team together, rallied everyone together, and was like, "Do what do you guys want? What is your goal? Because if this is your goal, then this is how we're going to play. And, of course, they did that right before the Sacramento Kings game. <laughs> and they looked really good. And I think you're exactly right. It's a whole different game in the postseason. But I think one of my favorite things that I've seen from this King squad this season is that every time – that they they play a, a good team, it seems like they learn something new. Like they've made these in-season adjustments. Do you think the Kings in this amount of time headed into the postseason can learn from this Bucks team, from this Bucks game, from the Celtics game, and take on that experience going into the postseason? Yeah, and I think absolutely. And I think that's one of the benefits you have with Mike Brown, right? Because Mike Brown being a defensive-minded coach coming in and being somebody who's coached on a, on some championship winning teams um, at, has an understanding of that level of physicality. And he talks about it with those guys. Like that's playing with a level of physicality without fouling is something he's constantly preaching to his team. And it might be a little bit tough because they frankly don't have personnel that typically lends itself to that style of play, right? Like you've seen some from Kessler Edwards, obviously Davion Mitchell can play that way. But you're trying to get guys to maybe play out of their comfort zone a little bit when you're talking about playing with that requisite level of physicality. And so that's really one of Mike Brown's biggest challenges. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to take away anything from the Kings or poo-poo on, on their season. It's been a remarkable turnaround, and I think they've far exceeded their expectations. But their season has been good enough now to where you recalibrate expectations and you say, okay, how do you measure yourself 
against the Celtics and the Bucks and the 76ers and those teams out east and the Nuggets and, and the Grizzlies. Like, how do you measure yourself against those teams? Because those are going to be the teams most likely that you're going to have to beat at some point along the road if you want to be a true championship contender. And that's like, and the Kings will tell you, like Mike Brown will tell you, the players will want to tell you, like De'Aaron Fox has said it a bunch of times, even when, you know, a couple of weeks ago when they're, they won their 40th game and, and, you know, they, they clinched a, um, a 500 or better record last weekend in, in Brooklyn when it was like, no, we don't. Yeah, that's great. But like no one before the season was excited about the idea of like, oh, we're going to be better than 500. De'Aaron Fox is like, no, my goal is to win a championship. And so there, there are still steps for them to take. And so um, I forget what your question is amid my ranting, but <laughs> no, no, it was, it was just about like, can they make the, the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Adjustments? yeah, I think that, I, I think they can. I think Mike Brown knows what buttons to push both tactically with his coaching staff. Jordy Fernandez is a really good assistant coach. And I think he knows sort of emotionally what the messaging is going to take because he, he talks about this a lot too. Like the influence of Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr, those guys were just elite messengers in terms of how to relay the proper message to his team at the right time and, and the right message. And, and I think he's been really good at that. And it's why you haven't seen, you know, the, the Kings haven't lost a, lost three games in a row since the end of November, right? You have to go back to um, the, the, they played the Celtics and the Suns, oddly enough, which two teams they'll play this week. But uh, so I, I think they do have that ability to bounce back and they're a deep team um, and they're a hungry team. And, and I would expect after a couple of days off that, that they'll be better come Friday and Saturday. I love Zach Lowe said something interesting this week, and I can't remember if it was on his podcast or the piece he wrote about the Kings, but he had mentioned that teams around the league respect the Kings, but they don't fear them, mm-hmm. which is completely fair. And to that point, I think the good news with the Kings taking on the teams we're talking about, like the Bucks and the Celtics who have been together for a long time, their core guys have been there. They know each other. They know how to ramp up. They know how to play defense. These are championship caliber teams. These teams aren't going through the motions against Sacramento. And I just think, to what we were just talking about, it is so valuable for the Kings to be facing this late in the season. Yes. Right before the playoffs start. Because you're talking about teams in Boston and Milwaukee who are elite defensively. And Boston doing what they're doing, switching all the time. Not a lot of teams can execute that. Some of the teams in the West that the Kings may be taking on the playoffs won't be able to throw those types of looks at the Kings, True. but it, it, they're going to be throwing different looks. They're going to be trying to get Sabonis off of his game. They're going to try to throw different things at De'Aaron Fox. So I think it's beyond valuable for the Kings to face this. And I, I, I think this this will make them better in the long run. It, it really will. will. And, I, and I'm with you on the expectations. Like, you adjust them, but I'm also realistic with this group. Like, it, we, we just talked about Boston. They didn't look like that year two with that group. Like Tatum, Horford, Brown, and Smart, they've been together for a long time. And I think the Kings have shown enough good signs with their core guys that they may be headed in the right direction. But it's going to take some time. And I I am eager to see what it looks like uh, down the stretch and in in the playoffs when when they face those different looks. Yeah, and and I asked Giannis Antetokounmpo last week when, you know, after after the Bucs beat them, like, what in what in your mind do the Kings need to do to take the next step? And he just says they need to go through it. They need to yeah. go through a playoff run. They need to they need to win road games in in a playoff series. They need to fall down in a playoff series and climb their way back up. They need to win a game seven. They need to lose a game seven. Like these are all these aren't indict like saying that the Kings are at a different level than these other teams that have been through those battles 
is not a knock on them. They just simply haven't done that. And in order to get to that level, you need to go through those things. Like the Warriors had they in 2013, they, they went to, um, they, they beat the, the Denver Nuggets in the first round and lost to the San Antonio Spurs in the second round. And then they had the next year, they lost in the first round of the Clippers in seven games, all before they ever won a championship or even got to the NBA finals, right? Like those were necessary steps. And if you were to ask Mike Brown or ask any of those Warriors players, they would tell you they had to go through those lumps and experience those playoff failures and successes before they could really take that next step and become actual contenders. And so that's where the Kings are at right now. So I don't think it's, um, you know, I see Kings, some people who who observe the Kings get like defensive over the idea that like, you know, they're not at the same level as, as Boston and Milwaukee. It's like, yeah, they're not, they haven't been through those battles, but when they do get through those battles in two or three years from now, and if the core continues to progress and, um, and the team continue to take take those steps, then they'll look back at this time and be like, yeah, I remember when Giannis came in and kicked our teeth in and and Boston came in and kicked our teeth in and and we learned the physicality that it took. And now we can apply that to these playoff runs that we're on right now. That's that's where I think the Kings are. And it's a good place to be. It's It's a fun place to be, particularly for a team that hasn't made the playoffs in 16 years. We're not we're not talking about them. Oh, couldn't they make the playoffs? Can they can they be better than the play? Like, no, they're like going to be a top two, three, four seed. And now we're talking about what they need to do to get to contention. Um, and so I think that's that's a, the really cool thing about this season for them is that they're beyond those expectations that we initially set in September and October. And they can look at these teams and say, OK, this is what we need to do if we ever want to get on that level, because it's it now feels like a realistic possibility that at some point down the line, the Kings can elevate themselves and be among that elite group in the NBA. I think one thing that I brought up to Morgan earlier this week that can really help the Kings throughout this, too, is the fact that this is not like a young coaching staff going through this for the first time either. Right. right. We talk so much about players and how they adjust to the playoffs coaches have that same deal especially coaches that haven't done it before mike brown and his staff is really experienced mike brown was doing some crazy ass defensive adjustments in the playoffs last year for the warriors during a championship run and i do think that's one advantage that the kings have with this group is yes the players haven't been through it but this coaching staff has and i think that can help sacramento I think it's why really the the biggest reason why Mike Brown has so much equity in the locker room, because it's not, he's not just flying by the seat of his pants, hoping that he can replicate some success that other coaches have had. He's been on those staffs and he's been around those elite players, championship players, championship winning players. Like, you know, how many coaches can say that they, they coach Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Tim Duncan, you know, like Mike Brown is in a in, in a very elite list when it just comes of comes to the people he's been around in the NBA. And I think all of that goes a long way with the players and why they respond to him and why they they feel like they can have that level of accountability that he's been instituting since he got there. And they always talk about the culture, the accountability. And it starts with Mike is because Mike knows what it looks like to be a championship level team, a championship level player, a championship level coaching staff. So that's why I think there is such a high level of buy-in with the Kings. It's, it's a combination of Mike Brown and the equity he's built throughout his career in the NBA, but also the talent that fits 
in terms of the system that they're running offensively. They need to improve defensively, obviously, but just it, it, it all makes sense now, I think, for the first time in a long time when it comes to the Kings. And I think that's why, like with Mike Brown, that's why it was such a good hire for them because he's been through those battles. He knows what it's like to coach all those elite players and, and the guys see that and they buy into it. Something that Deuce and I were talking a little bit about last night after the game was um, not not seeing Kevin Herter out there and how the how he was actually missed, like his presence was missed. And I'm going to read you this stat that Will Z put out there on Twitter about what Kevin Herter has been doing. He said Herter's two-point field goal percentage by area, restricted area, 73.9%, non-restricted area, just in the paint, 56.3%. You know, so you see so much more than just what he can do from beyond the arc, right? He can be effective inside the paint and move without the basketball, which allows defenses to obviously have to pay so much more attention to him. Um, Do you think the Kings in these last couple of games have missed his presence out there. And do you think that's, it's something else that's going to make them just get better and better as they continue on this path, putting him back into that starting lineup instead of someone as young as Kessler Edwards? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the key reasons the Kings offense has been as successful as it has is they have, they've typically had four good to elite shooters on the floor at all times. I would say Keegan Murray has been more or less an elite three point shooter Kevin Herter, at times when he's hot, has been an elite three-point shooter. And then you have Harrison Barnes and De'Aaron Fox, who are respectable three-point shooters, right? You saw at times last night, the Celtics just didn't really honor Kessler Edwards as a three-point shooter, even though he made some early. Like there, And when you have to guard the three-point line closely, when you're playing four guys out, that just creates so much more space. Whereas if one of those guys is playing on the perimeter and he's not a three-point shooter that you have to honor consistently – well, that allows that defender to maybe sag off into the lane a little bit more, to maybe cheat towards the passing lanes, to maybe look at, um, you know, play closer to the paint and be more conscious of of cutters rather than forcing uh, or, or forcing a closeout uh, on an elite three point shooter. So when Kevin Herter and Kevin Herter's been, I think he's been over fifty percent in March um, before he got hurt. Like he's been really, really good from the three point lane, three point line since since the calendar turned from february to march so um yeah the the kings having four shooters that you have to honor at the three-point line has been huge for them all season and it really allows them to unlock the most from De'Aaron fox and demonis sabonis because we know sabonis is such a good passer and such a good screener and when he can do those dribble handoffs with four guys instead of just three that makes a big difference right and when when De'Aaron fox um, is 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 dribbling and trying to make plays and 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 he has four shoot or three other shooters at his disposal or guys are cutting off Demonis Sabonis screens like that's really when the Kings offense is at its best and Kevin Herter is a big part of that so when you lose his shooting it allows the defense to maybe compact to the lane a little bit more not have to worry about closing out at the at the three point line as much and it's just an adjustment that the Kings are going to have to make and and they're hoping obviously that it that it's Kevin Herter is going to be back soon and that this is kind of a small sample size thing and they can revert to what they've been when he gets back into the lineup. Shout out to Chris, by the way, because he was on most of that last road trip, right? Yeah. And um, he covered the game last night. This is supposed to be kind of an off day and he hung out with us for like 20 plus minutes talking about the Kings. So thank you so much for for being with us, man. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. And we'll see you. Are you going to be there Friday night? 
Uh, I will not be there Friday or Saturday. I'm going to uh, to a wedding. It's not my wedding. Um, it is okay. a, uh, but my my girlfriend is going to be in the wedding, so it's an important wedding. So Aww. I would only Dude. miss King's game, King's games for for an important occasion like that. So it, good for you. It's okay. Well, I, I mean, Saturday, oh. I, Saturday could be the time they clinch the playoffs. Oh, spot. so you have to leave. So you actually have to leave oh, the wedding it. to yeah get back. If that magic number is one going into Saturday, he has to actually leave the wedding. Well, Sorry, the, wedding, honey. the good news, the good news is the wedding is Friday, but we're giving ourselves a grace period potentially before. But if it yeah. is really important that I come back. No, it's not. Um, you have a playoff run to cover. You're good. Yeah, Enjoy get, this. Yeah, be we're, hungover. We're, do what you need to do. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll make sure that the batteries are charged for the playoffs. Well, enjoy it, man, and uh, keep up the great work. We'll, we'll see you soon. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, as always. That's the one and only Chris Biederman. You can check out his work, sackb.com. He's doing a great job. Like I, you I, said. He's he's amazing. And, yeah. Man, the guy that covered the NFL forever, he's just – he picks up the game so fast. He understands the game. He has great questions, produces great stories. I'm a huge fan Even of Even when I asked him to come on the show, I was like, I know we just had you on like a week or two ago, but you're just so good. Can yes. you join us again? So, um, yeah, enjoy talking to Chris whenever he wants to talk to us. Yes. Appreciate him and his perspective on where the Kings are at. We got to talk about a busy night throughout the league, too. Some really important games to watch tonight. We'll be keeping an eye on John Morant's back. Caddy is back. And Paul George, he's going to be out for a few more weeks Ooh. at least. It's Deuce and Moe. This is Sacktown Sports 1140. Zach Lowe said it in his piece this week about the Sacramento Kings, Morgan Reagan. Kings may not be feared, but they are respected around the league. And even after last night, the Celtics hammered the Kings. Jalen Brown. Brown. He had some things to say about the Monis Sabonis. You know what he called him? Oh, what did he call him? <laughs> he called him a dog? Called him a dog. He said Sabonis is a dog. Sabonis is a dog, man. You know, I've been a fan of his game for a while now you know how physical he is um and you know how he is you know patient but deliberate finds his guys those dhos is tough especially if you you don't pick him up above the the three-point line if he gets too low you know he can put you in a bad spot but i think tonight uh, we tried to keep him as far away from the basket as possible and he still managed to affect the game what do you have triple double tonight yes he did yeah so nah it's a bonus as a dog i'm a fan of his game Ooh, That's cool. Future Kings guard Jalen Brown talking about his future teammate, Demonis Sabonis. Huh? God, those two together will be amazing. Dog. <laughs> Seriously, Morgan Reagan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do think that's pretty cool to hear from Jalen Brown. Uh-huh. But I'm telling you, I was talking to someone before the game last night, and they were telling me the same thing. You talk to players around the league. Players love Sabonis. And they're loving him more this year because they're seeing him in a different role, right? Yeah. Like we talk so much at Simonis has been this talented. He's yes, we he's always had the talent. Now playing the five, having the responsibility and the freedom to orchestrate the offense, to grab the rebound and push. He is showing what he can do out there. I'm telling you, it's going to attract players to come to Sacramento because of the style he plays. It's not just like, oh, he's a good passing big. He's a big. He plays hard. He wants to get his teammates involved. Those are all things as a player. If you really enjoy the game, 
you want to be your own. If someone can make you better as a player, why wouldn't you want them as a teammate? Why wouldn't you want to be around them? Oh, and on top of that, they also have a special talent just within themselves, and they can produce um, with within the offense or even on the defensive end. You know, it's not just about being a playmaker and making everyone around them better. Like, you can depend on them. Uh, you want to have reliable teammates, but that are also will that have no egos. And you see this entire team and it starts with Domas and De'Aaron and it trinkles on down. There's no egos. Guys are all about each other. I mean, it starts with Mike Brown and the coaching staff too, really, but yeah, absolutely. We're going to be seeing teams or I'm sorry, players around the league actually looking at Sacramento as like, Hey, not only do I respect them, I like that style of basketball. I want to be a part of that. Dog. Maybe not that part, but. Dog. Come on, give me a little bark. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. More, he called Demonis Sabonis a dog. Give me like a Sabonis Just dog. because you can bark doesn't mean that any of, like, I don't know how to bark, man. That, that dog is dying. Whatever dog you Aww. just did, that dog is not doing well. That's sad. Well, it just that's what he sounds like right Urf. now. How old is that dog? Urf. Chris, do you have a dog? Urf. Wow. That, that, that was not real. Yeah, that's my, I just go off the old DMX songs. Wait, that wait, wait, wait. That, really was, that was not a drop? No, that was me. Wait, wait, wait. Do that again. Urf. That was really good. It was kind of cartoonish, the last one, but it's yeah. a great, great dog. Wow. We're stunned. Oscar-worthy. <laughs> oh, See, the bad yeah, thing but... is, is like people walking by have no idea what I'm doing in here. <laughs> They're like, is that dude okay? Like, what's <laughs> Why going is he on? barking like a dog? So oh. Kings are off until Friday when they take on the Phoenix Suns. It's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back from from having this time off. And hopefully Kevin Herter can, can play. But... You know, it's it's what we talk about with Chris Biederman. It's so true. Like, I just think these experiences that they're going through are going to be so valuable for them in the playoffs. Like, if they have playoff success, I think you're going to point to, oh, those games against, like, Milwaukee, mm -hmm. uh, against Phoenix, against the Boston Celtics, that prepared them for what lies ahead in the playoffs. And it's going to be up and down the playoffs. Every, I... Just yeah. know. Yeah, where are you at? There's some Kings fans who today are kind of freaking out because they've dropped two in a row, even though they're 11-4 after the break. Do you understand what people are going to do during a playoff oh, loss? Oh, God. Guys, the Kings are going to lose playoff games this year. It's it's going to happen. It's, a, it's, about, it's about adjusting. It's about understanding that you're not going to win it. You're, you're not going to be like the Lakers in the early 2000s where no. you got like almost undefeated or whatever. I can't remember if they did go undefeated. But what, what I'll say that too, Deuce, I think you got to make sure you're being kind to people. Um, no, no, no. And I say this, hold on. Oh my God. And he's already getting wild. No. And I just think because people's emotions with their sports team, absolutely. They're, yeah. they're, they're extreme, right? It's like, especially if, the Kings when the Kings make the playoffs after 16 years of not making the playoffs. And there's a couple games there where maybe they're not going everyone's way, or there's a game at the end that doesn't go someone's way. Like you have, you have to have the correct perspective of the journey and of getting there and being just feeling that fulfillment of being proud and being like, okay, how can they build on this for the next year?
That's why I think we just have to make sure we're being kind to people. Fine. Okay. We got some games to watch tonight in the NBA. A lot of interesting games. Uh, Warriors at Dallas tonight. Okay. Luka is returning. I think Kyrie's questionable the last I saw. Uh, So Warriors are taking on the Mavs. Suns at Lakers. The Suns are still trying to get that number three spot. They're here Friday night, so we want to keep an eye on them. Mm. John Morant returns tonight against the Houston Rockets. They're going to be playing without Dylan Brooks. He's serving a one-game suspension for uh, another technical. I think he's got 18 on the season. And then Atlanta at Minnesota. Uh, Cats returns the lineup after missing the last 51 games. So uh, with Dallas and Golden State, that's great. Because the, the Kings' magic number is going to shrink tonight. Wow. No matter what, it's going to shrink. And that, I mean, how cool is it, though, you guys, that we can go around the NBA and when teams in the Western Conference are taking on each other right now, they're all important games. They're all games that we're like, hey, keep an eye on this one. Keep an eye on It's not even keep an eye so the Kings can limp, limp, limp into the, the play-in or wherever they need to be. No, it's keep an eye on them because we're getting closer and closer to clinching a playoff spot. You know, I think, too, for me now, it's interesting because when they won 41 games, 40 games, 41, 42, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, my God. Now, I, I, they're they're going to be in the playoffs. It's just a matter of when they clinch. And you just expect it. Is it going to feel kind of anticlimactic? Like, is, is it going to feel... No! Like, like are, do you think we're going to still be emotional? That You're going to ball like a little I baby. I don't know. I, I, think I, pro- I, I think I'm just like, they're in. Like, let's go. Like, it's interesting. And maybe... And I, I, it doesn't mean I don't appreciate it. I no, just I don't. Know. I think I've had time to process it. I'm already thinking, all right, first round type stuff. I cry I cry about everything. So, I mean, not everything, but I just... I think there's a lot of things with basketball that does make me emotional because it brings so much joy to my life. Um, and with this, I think it will be like the end of the journey where I will feel the, like, breath of... Oh my God, you won't, they did that. You actually won't feel any breath that night because the, the fog machine is going to stay on the whole time we're on that night. So so many people are convinced that's what's giving me the oh, rash. Do not start blaming fog. I'm not. No, I know what's giving me the rash. Yeah. My health. Yeah, your health. Let's just say. <laughs> oh, rush, 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 rush. Everybody, rush. JJ Sub says Wob is gonna, going to be in Sacramento when they clinch. You know, I'm kind of mixed on that. I like him, but like, what? You know, he's a Knicks fan. Like, you can. I, I appreciate you want to be here, but like, this isn't your moment. Like, who cares? No, no. I, I, I don't like people who are not a part of this ride trying to be a part of this moment. No. Okay. I don't. I don't care about that. Here's why. Here's why. One. It's not about you. No, no, no. And that's, I don't think that's what he's doing okay. because I okay. don't think I'm he's. I'm sensitive to that. I'm just being he's honest. He's definitely not one of those people, but also there was that, that one fan that um, tagged everyone in his video of being a bandwagon Kings fan because he grew up in this area of not really being, um, having a team. And mm. so he wanted to start adopting the Kings because they were so fun and everything. And he understands that it's our home, but that like, he's there to, to be there Fair. as a friend and that's acceptable. And I love it, but there's other people too, even with ESPN that I was getting texts the other day that they're like texting their producers, light the beam and all these Hell things. Yeah. And so a lot they, of people they, joining the beam wagon right now. They Thank are, you. but you guys, it's it's a beautiful thing that we can also pass around and enjoy with others. Think the world's a better place when everyone's collaborative. Are we going out that night? The clinch? Shit, yeah. Oh my oh. god. Oh. Well, that's a first. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> 
<laughs> Morgan's ready to go out. Yes, yeah. I'm so sorry. Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. That was embarrassing. Okay, my bad. Yes, the answer is proper. Yes, we will go out. Yeah, Morgan is fired. You're probably not going to make it to the playoffs with that type of stuff. <laughs> probably not. All right, coming up next, final segment of the show. We got Cattles and Rami coming up at the top of the hour. It's Juice Mo on Sacktown Sports Live for SacktownSports.com. And Mo on your local sports leader, Fat Town Sports. Hey, Morgan Reagan. Yeah. How old is William Shatner today? Ah. I feel like he's older than he looks. Okay. I'm going to go with 87. He's 92 today. I, that shocked me because I saw Bob Costas turn 71. I'm like, I would have thought they were kind of closer in age. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that. Shatner was 21 years older than Bob Costas. Well, Shatner, each year, I swear we've done this. Yeah, where we're like, probably. oh, my God, he's in his 90s. Well, I guess for the last couple of years then. but What was um, the show that introduced you to William Shatner? Oh, th- wait, is he on Third Rock from the Sun? Was he on that one? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. Was he? No. Uh, I don't. <laughs> uh... I just know him from Star Trek, and I don't, I've never seen him on that. What I no. remember him growing up was that show Rescue Nine One One. Do you guys remember that? Uh, wait, he was on that show. Yeah, he was like the guy that, that introduced everything. That's right. I do remember that from a kid. My mom, from being a kid, my mom used to watch that show. Oh wait, maybe he wasn't on. I think he was a special on... guest one time. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> okay, so there you go. A special guest on Third Rock from the Sun. Ah. So stupid. Yeah. Bob Costas, 71. Uh, also, uh, Morgan, your mom's favorite, Reese Weatherspoon. Oh, my God. She loves her. How old is Ooh. Reese today? Okay. Why are you looking? You're being an ageist toward the woman? <laughs> the no, guy's just trying to make you change your, okay. your guess. Okay. 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 Um, I'm going to guess 50. 47. Okay. Yeah. You did make me change it. See? Uh-huh. See? 47. Wow. Still young. Oh my gosh. What's old to you? Because um, I feel like it obviously changes as you get older. Because, like, back when you were like 20 something, you probably thought mid 30s was old. Oh, yeah. No, my, I, I think, I think honestly, I, everyone knows I'm going to say this, but I obviously, our society has this weird thing with being like, I'm old. What's wrong with being old? One, two, like, no, truly, like what's what is wrong with being old? Now, if you're going to make me define what's old, like maybe you should go back uh, and take your driver's test. I'm going to say 65. So Jason's old. Yes, but even though I don't even think 65 is old, but I just think there are some people who don't take care of themselves, their brain, their health, or anything. Where it's like, no, they should be taking a driver's test at 65. And there's other people who are like 90 and have a much much faster brain and body and everything than a 65 year old just because they took care of themselves. So it's like, it really just depends on, it's not the, it's not the number. It's what you did up to that point. It's what's upstairs is what matters. It is. Okay. It is. Cause there's some 65 G man. Oh my God. G man is how old? 103. I would guess he's like 37 up there though. 103. He's sharp. He's sharp. <laughs> he's sharp. Yeah. Not everyone his age can do what he did. No, no, he's sharper than me. He would, yeah. Um, Paul George, 
good news on him. Yes. I mean, as good as you can get. Sure. I mean, he's going to be out at least the rest of the regular season. After last night, you're going, is he, his career going to be done or something? Because he got helped off the floor with the knee thing. He was on a car after the game. Sprained knee. He's going to be out for at least a few weeks. Yeah. And if he's not back, I mean, the Clippers are done if he's not back. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. They need him if they have any shot at winning a championship. And I doubt anyone was watching the Clippers last night. If you were watching the Kings, obviously. But with the Clippers... He had one of the best in-game dunks mm. that he's had. It was a 360 mm. dunk, like, like a back door. It was within a play. It wasn't even just in transition on a fast break. Fantastic dunk, athleticism, everything. So then for the, him in the fourth quarter to come down weird on that knee, ugh, it just looked like it hyperextended. It was not good. And... Um, it looks scarier than what is happening here. And what sucks about it, though, Deuce, they say reevaluated after that time. Like, yeah. that's even more time. How many times have we seen this with him headed into the playoffs? I feel like that's happened a few times. I mean, they, that's just that's the Clippers since they have signed Paul George and yeah. Kawhi Leonard. All, or, you know, traded for Paul George. You know, they gave up the SG, they gave up SGA to get him. And look at that. Well, well, can we give some love to OKC for being dude. at 500? And they closed that game well last night. Final play, Kawhi trying to make something happen. The offense was stagnant. Lou Dort did a great job forcing a, gr- a really tough look for Kawhi. They missed the shot. And OKC's back at 500. Amazing. You guys, I mean, they're, what they're doing, their strategy of building this team, the way that they've built this team, the patience that the organization has allowed them to have to build the team they want to build the team is incredible. And in some ways, I hope it works out because I do love seeing, showing other teams like, look, you can do it this way. It's not all about just trying to go out and grab the best players in this smaller market. You can develop together within your system. And the OKC Thunder are fun. I just think about like having someone like Josh Giddy who just ge- keeps getting better year by year. Um, obviously, we know what SGA is capable of. I'm glad that he's been playing and they didn't just like sit him out and go, you know what, we're going to wait again. No, make sure that he's developing too. Last 10 games, they are fourth in defensive rating in the NBA. On the season, they're 10th. Wow. SGA, man, he's taken a serious leap this year. You mentioned Giddy. They got Dort. Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. Oh, I mean, Jalen Williams. Both Jalen Williamses have been good this year. But Santa Clara, Jalen Williams is mm, now making mm, a run mm. for Rookie of the Year. Even though everyone's like, oh, you know, he still won't get it. Ben Caro, Ben Caro. But like, why? Why can't we put him more in the conversation? Like, I feel like people with Rookie of the Year combo, they pick someone. And then that's who they ride with until the end. And But with MVP conversation, it can change all the way up to the last 10 games. It could change all the way up to, you know, what you know this player is going to do, really feel like they're going to do in a postseason. So I think when you look at Jalen Williams, it's just got to be one of those things where you have to make sure you're talking about him more. His numbers have been incredible since the All-Star break. Um, just a brilliant young player. Is that a team you wouldn't want to see in the playoffs? In the beginning, are honestly, you, are you a little scared of them with that defense? Well, you know it's fun. I'm, I'm not. I, I think it would be competitive though. I think it would be it. much more. People, I think around the league, if you're not paying attention to OKC, you should check them out. Yep. 
I agree. It's fun basketball, young basketball, um, inexperienced, obviously, when it comes to the postseason, which makes it even more fun that if the Kings were paired up, paired up with someone like them, it could be a, a fun experience. What? And Earl in the chat brings up a great point. What? They have a lottery pick just chilling. I know. Chet. I'm I know. a big Chet guy, and he's starting to do some on-court stuff. I, th- there's been video of him before games. And that's scary. Good for him, dude. It's going to – it's. Good for just the way that they have built. Double A, by the way, says, don't want to see OKC in the playoffs. Cry, cry, cry emoji. Stop it. Look, I'm not acting like, I just think it would be a tougher out than you you would think. I mean, SGA is a legit all-NBA caliber player. They're playing some tough basketball right now, and it's not going to be easy. I mean, if you think you're just going to walk through the park with OKC, it'd be tough. But, I mean, I would still pick the Kings to win the series. Mm-hmm. I, I look at their defensive rating and go, oh, that's, you know, yeah. that's a real, their defense is looking sharp. It's looking good. But it's not like I'm sitting here saying that the Kings offense can't break yeah. it down. Also, yeah, they're not playing the Kings offense every night. And that's the other thing is we ding, can, ding. We, we do have to acknowledge that even if the you we talk about their def- defensive rating, we have to acknowledge that the Kings offense has been one of the best well it's the best offensive rating in the history of the nba it can break so many different defenses down and that's why it was really interesting and um humbling to see the celtics defense last night throw something at them that they couldn't really break through and i know we tried we're not making excuses but you're factoring oh is it the second night of a back-to-back is it this is it that no you played a really good celtics team and that's what it's going to be like in the postseason so you better find a way to break that defense well, we're going to be back tomorrow. Oh, my bad. Ooh. Morgan's not going to be here tomorrow. It's going to be Friday. Me- or Friday. Okay. That's a, that's a good point. So uh, tomorrow I'll be live with Chris Watkins. Hey, good Can't- for you, Morgan. I guess this is your Friday, right? No more work for you, right? Uh, you would you would, <laughs> you would think, Chris. But oh, no, I don't not work until Sunday. So I will still be working. <laughs> you don't not work. Okay, wait, that makes sense. Wait, You're I, off Sunday off. is what you meant to say. Yeah, that <laughs> proves you need a day off. Morgan's going to be off tomorrow. She's doing a sit-down interview with Lindsay Harding, King's assistant. I'll be back tomorrow. We got Kettles and Rami coming up next. We love you guys, but we got to go. You all have a great rest of your day. See you.